Just do it right, all right? We're in love. We're spanning time. Look like you like me. Look like we're husband and wife. Okay? I do like you, Billy. Okay, you know what I mean. I mean, like, you like me like you're my wife, like you're in love, that kind of life. Autor cinema can be a very mixed style. It's easy to pour too much of yourself into filmmaking projects. Some directors are impersonal and are able to take a variety of different projects, put their own spin on it, but ultimately can move in and out of it. However, the auteur is different. These are directors who pour so much of themselves into a project, a project they might even write, direct, and star in, that they become inseparable, at least in the public imagination, from their work. It's the kind of style that can be very easy to burn out from. This is Vincent Gallo, whose directorial debut, Buffalo 66, has endlessly fascinated critics and bloggers. Vincent Gallo grew up in Buffalo, New York, born in 1961. He had a pretty difficult childhood with an abusive father and what he describes as a dishonest and kind of kleptomaniac mother. His parents did a ton of gambling, and Vincent was exposed to crime at a young age. He claims that he was handpicked by gangsters to become a wise guy, but was also talked out of a life of crime at age 12 by an older mafia guy who saw his promise. Instead taking a different path, Vincent ran away from his poor Italian neighborhood at age 16. He went where everyone goes who wants to be an artist in New York, to the city. He lived in his car, had sex for money, and worked odd jobs. During this time period, Gallo began to have success as a painter, making friends with Basquiat, and also beginning to make short films. He's in the film Downtown 81, which immortalized Basquiat a decade after his death. He was cast in the film The Way It Is with Steve Buscemi and The Equalizer. He got his first starring role in 1989 with the film Doc's Kingdom which then got him a bunch of small and supporting roles in films like Goodfellas and House of the Spirits and The Arizona Dream. A lot of you may be wondering what Legere means. A lot of you may be wondering what kind of name it is. Is it Italian or is it Swedish? Well, actually, it's a French name, and it literally means born to act. And that's exactly what I'm going to do for you uh, this evening. A series of films with Claire Denis, the French director. Vincent Gallo's looks are sharp and unique and intense, and during this time period, he was also modeling for Calvin Klein. In 1998, Vincent Gallo released Buffalo 66. Although Gallo's life had been in New York City, Buffalo had left an indelible mark on him. The inferiority complex that Buffalo has to bigger cities is something they share. Gallo returned home to shoot Buffalo 66 in and around the city, including the Gowanda Correctional Facility located 40 miles south of Buffalo. Buffalo 66 has Vincent Gallo playing Billy Brown, a former inmate who gets released after five years in prison. Honey, honey, just... Turn it up. away, please! What? What? The knife is not pointed at you! Yes, it pointed at me! Honey! Don't tell me you didn't point the knife at me! I did not point the knife Don't at you. Don't point the knife at a person unless you want to I didn't point the knife at you! Billy's parents are based on Vincent Gallo's own parents, and the film clearly has Gallo working through some of his own traumatic experiences. Angelica Houston and Ben Gazzara play Billy's parents, Show almost no reaction or interest in their son, who they haven't seen in five years. I, he's the kindest, smartest, most handsome guy there. I mean, even the guys loved him; they idolized him. So, I just, I just couldn't. I, I didn't think he'd ever like me. I was just a little typist girl, and you know, he was like the king. In Buffalo '66. Billy kidnaps a girl named Layla, played by Christina Ricci, and makes her pretend to be his teenage wife. This is meant to impress Billy's parents, who he is told he has a wife and a fancy government job. Ah! Stop. 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 Stop
Throughout the course of the day, Billy and Layla go through an intense emotional roller coaster, with Billy wanting to seek revenge on Scott Wood, the former kicker of the Buffalo Bills, whose missed kick, possibly a dive to the Mafia, loses the Super Bowl. Billy had bet $10,000 he doesn't have on the Bills to a bookie played by Mickey Rourke. Because of that, Billy had to confess to a crime he didn't commit, which landed him in prison. They thought somebody turned up the heat. So, Billy, what happened was this book, he got so sick of hearing everybody's excuses. I mean, they're all the same, you know. Everybody's got an excuse. Anyway, this book, he got so sick that he just had to throw up. And the only way he could make himself feel better was to, to do bad things. Interestingly, I think, Mickey Rourke is an actor who has a lot in common with Vincent Gallo. They're both conservative Republicans whose outspokenness and constant feuding with other celebrities eventually caught up to them and hurt their careers. What is the word career? You know, in the end, uh, if Mickey becomes poor, if he became washed up, it doesn't matter. He did it. Actor, boxer, poet, biker, lover. Sean Penn wishes he was Mickey Rourke. They're also both very talented in multiple artistic and athletic fields. This infamous kick is based on a real missed field goal in the 1991 Super Bowl game between the Giants and the Bills. As an audience, we find out more and more about Billy Brown, including that he had an obsession with a girl in Wendy Balsam, who was played by Rosanna Arquette. Yeah. Did you live on my block? Because I used to see you walk by my house every day. I had a friend who lived over there. Oh, yeah, it was just so strange because every time I looked out my window, I would see you walking by. <laughs> this is Don. And what's your name again? Layla is falling more and more in love with Billy. God knows why. I guess girls just love bad boys. And it's this love that is the crucial thing Billy needed to stay tethered to reality and to progress in life rather than just giving up that life in search of revenge. The real Christina Ricci has called Vincent Gallo a control freak and the filming of Buffalo 66 traumatic and abusive. She vowed never to work with him again, and he also had a tough relationship with Angelica Houston. Gallo's response has been that he did all the work, made the creative choices down to making her sweater and doing her hair, and Christina Ricci was just his doll. Buffalo 66 has been hailed as a great exemplar of indie filmmaking at a time when indie filmmaking was at the new cultural zenith. Vincent Gallo has been compared to Harmony Corinne, whose film Kids debuted in 1995. They're both intensely controversial writer-directors. However, Vincent Gallo's career kind of stalled out after his next two films did not have the cultural success of Buffalo 66. And that's where we get back to auteur burnout, which each film and the press and media rollout being these huge, legendarily controversial press runs. For me, it went from zero stars to three stars. So I told Gallo he has redeemed his film, and he tells me why he lashed out about what I said. To make the worst film in the world, or the worst film in con history, you would have to go in with bad intention. Let's put Paris Hilton in Rocky Seven and hire Joe Schmo to write it and just, you know, that's the worst film in the, in the world. Not to mention Vincent Gallo's penchant for making far more enemies than friends. It's easy to see why Gallo's directorial career has been short-lived. How much are the hard cookies? Hard cookies? They are 95 cents. 95? Right. Okay. You got a girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah? All right, I'm gonna buy one for him. 
Okay. It's for your girlfriend, right? Girlfriend, don't chomp on it yourself. Save it for her. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends is a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp, and it's Bandcamp Friday. Pause the stream and get Adult Prom now. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Renee Rune is the host of the Night Shift Podcast with Bonnie Burton and Jenna Hayes, hosts Rune Radio, and is a blogger, writer, poet, and the head of Rune Agency. I, of course, am an ex-con who just got out of a prison in upstate New York for the crime of believing in my hometown too much, Boris Miller. You better all make me look good. Just, I believe too much. <laughs> and I just want to get this off the bat. You are muted, Forrest. Uh, but but yeah, his only not- his only crime is that he believed in his hometown too much. It really is true. <laughs> it really the only is crime true. he had is he believed in the Buffalo Bills, and then they didn't even let him say the name Buffalo Bills in the movie. He had to say either Buffalo or the Bills. They gave him a choice. <laughs> I remember that that run they had in the early 90s. Uh, my dad was a big football fan, and um, there was a joke going around at the time, uh, which was, uh, what does the bill stand for? Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. There you go. There you go. It's <laughs> pretty good. All right. I don't, I, don't often, I don't often laugh at football jokes. I don't know anything about football. Yeah, but. no. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they lost a bunch, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of nice that, that this movie kind of uh, brings up one of them. I, well, I like the, it a little deep. The field, the field goal is like this. Uh, like I, I was watching videos of it. It's like this unprecedented moment where he was up for the kick and then he missed it at the last minute. And it's like this huge. Like anyone that was betting on the Bills in that situation, like right, like they're they're cheering up to that last second and then missing that that field yeah. goal. They just lost. I, I actually well, watched that live back back in the day, and I was pointing at the screen like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio whenever that scene came on. <laughs> A favorite moment in this is that when he calls dude's strip club, like he has an upfront message about it, which is like mentioned, like, I know you all hate me from the thing, but uh, you should come down and uh, see the naked ladies. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's a very uncle alligator. Which, uh, which, which brings me into like a question, which is how much of this is going in and out of like Vincent Gallo's mind, right? Like his character, like how, like, because when, when he hears that, it's like the one thing that's going to trigger him more than anything. Trigger warning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Renee, welcome to the show. Uh, I, we're, we're assuming you were riding a rocket powered kangaroo. Uh, on the yeah, I and... was. Because <laughs> you made good time. I did like zoom to the park and then flew out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Traffic exactly. comes from everybody else also riding rocket powered kangaroos. <laughs> like, that's the only way to get around. 
So I was like, God, I, mean, I got this so that I could be faster in the in the air. And now everyone has one. This is this is too much. Yeah. But, but you know, the crazy thing is, it's like you know, uh, traffic's so bad in this country. Uh, it, it's actually overflowed into Australia, um, yeah. affecting uh, Renee's uh, <laughs> travel today. Mike, oh my goodness! I, I like I drove in. It was super quick and easy. Driving out, not so much. <laughs> um. So I I found this and i really wanted to play it uh it's from an interview that um vincent gallo did during the press run for this and i i just feel like every every single um like like interview he does that isn't him just like freaking out at people it, it sounds like <laughs> it reminds me of like uh <laughs> He's probably one of every, every interview Every interview. He Listen, does, kid, you're gonna want some of this sperm, all right? You're gonna want it. It's top quality stuff. Top quality alligator liberty. Alligator juice. That's right, um, kid. Gall I got the Gallo juice. juice. Gallo juice. <laughs> um, Galloway. Uh, <laughs> mark the mark the time. Fourteen minutes, sixteen seconds. So, so this is, this <laughs> wow, is it like, did it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like every every story that Mr. Gallo tells about his childhood, right? He he said he phrases it in a way that sounds almost like indie theater from like the nineties or like you know, like um it's sure. like the same uh the same like cadence that like a lot of those Sopranos episodes have where they're like in like a dream sequence. I don't know why. Maybe just maybe just everybody was giving interviews like that, but this is a, a like a five minute clip of him talking about his family and his parents, and I thought this was funny. In a in a gallows humor kind of way, anyway. Gallows humor. Oh, yeah. The time, and my brother was six years old, and my sister was four years old, and we were sitting in the living room on a couch together, watching TV, and my mother was vacuuming the the carpet, and she found something under the couch, some chocolate, and probably why I used chocolate in the movie. And as a kid, I hated chocolate. I never ate chocolate. I wasn't allergic to it. I just didn't like it. Um, and she found chocolate under the couch, and it was stuck to the brand new carpeting. And uh, my family was very poor, so this was a big thing that we had carpeting in this room, and we were all sitting in the room trying not to make any dirt or anything and she found this car this chocolate and she was very upset very upset by it so she she started to complain and scream and who did this and you ruined the carpet and she moved the couch back and she started cleaning up and uh she started screaming and my father came in the room very aggressive and he took the three of us and he said all right who put the chocolate who put the chocolate under the couch? Which one of you put the chocolate under the couch? And my brother said, I didn't do it. And my sister said, I didn't do it. And he looked at me and he said, you little son of a bitch. I know it was you. I know it was you. You, you did it. And I said, I, I didn't do it. I, I, I didn't do it. And I don't even eat chocolate. I don't like chocolate. Everybody knows I don't like chocolate. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And he said, don't, don't tell me because you're an evil, little evil bastard. I know you did it. And I said, I didn't do it. What, what about them? He, 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 why are you picking on me? You know? And uh, so he, he started hitting me, started beating me around the house and uh, slapping me. And, 
And he wanted me to admit that I had done this thing. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I was not going to admit to doing it if I didn't do it. I was not going to admit to it. So he tried to hit me really hard several times so that I would break and admit that I did it. And I would not. He hit me hard and I'd say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So he put me in the car and it was evening time. It was dark. It was late. And when you're five years old, you know, nighttime is very scary. And uh, he drove me to the emergency room uh, entrance of a hospital in Buffalo, but a hospital known for psychiatric patients, very similar to Bellevue Hospital. They had a psychiatric ward. And he told me that if I didn't admit that I put the chocolate there, that he was going to take me to this psychiatric ward because I was an evil devil and uh, I needed to go live in a hospital and I would not be allowed to come home ever again. I'd have to go live with crazy people. So I was sitting in the car. I was very nervous, very nervous, but I didn't do it. Do you understand? I didn't do it. I didn't put the fucking chocolate under the couch. So I said, I didn't do it. And we pulled up to the entrance of the emergency room. And, uh, and he told me one last time, okay? And I saw all the ambulances there. And, you know, those things, they're scary when you're young. It's just bad. You know, I, I just the hospital, the only memory I had of the hospital was my grandparents dying and bad things, bad things, bad things. So I was very scared, scared, very scared. And he told me, all right, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance, you little son of a bitch. I'm going to give you one more chance to admit that you did it, or I'm going to take you in that hospital, and I'm going to leave you there. And I said, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I, I swear it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And he came around, and he dragged me by my ear out of the car, and he started taking me to the emergency room entrance to the door. And just before... We got to the door. I said, uh, okay, okay, I, I, I did it. I did it. It was me. It was me. I did it. And I think that he knew at that point that I didn't do it. I think he knew by my confession that I didn't do it, that I re it finally hit his mind that I really didn't do it. But it was too late. You understand? It was too late. He had gone so far that it was too late. And, uh, and it was just a bad thing. It was just bad. I had to admit, it just was bad. And ever since then, all somebody has to do is accuse me of something. Anytime somebody would be missing their wallet in, in, in class or in a bar, I, I desperately wanted them to find it because I thought everybody would, uh, would think it was me. But this, this moment was just really ugly. It was just bad, you know? There is so much to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> he's so incredibly dramatic and can't, like, a, like, he's one of my favorite people to watch interviews of. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you, you never quite know how it's going to land. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know, like, and also some of his interviews, I feel like, are complete fiction. Like, he's just making yeah. it up on the spot. Like, there's none, there was, nothing true is coming out of his mouth. There was, there was one where he was telling a story about how he like whipped his dick out as a teenager and he got arrested for sex crimes 
and his dad ran into the room and was like, what did you do? And there was like cops to this door. You saw this whole story. Like you really, you put this on, you want this on video? Like, I mean, it, it's, it's gotta be like 25 years before me too happens, but still like, it's not something that you might like want to, because he ended up not getting the, the charges, but then he put the thing on the, you know, like on, on video to be like, look, I'm, I'm a sex criminal. What can I say? Uh, and, and that's where this is difficult because I really, really love Buffalo 66. I think it's a fantastic movie. I actually upped my rating on this rewatch because like, wow, it's actually better than I remember. But it's it's a hard watch in the way that it, like some Cassavetti stuff is, like Husbands or something. Yeah. We're like, oh, these freaking guys are the worst. They're terrible. And, and, and well, I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. But like, I think that it's really hard not to talk about Buffalo 66 without talking about Vincent Gallo, the guy mm-hmm. who let's just charitably say I have less time for. Uh, also, I think the Brown Bunny is maybe one of the worst movies ever made, but like just as a guy, like he, his whole thing is just exhaustingly baffling is the best yeah. way I could put He's it. Really, he wanted a, he wanted a, a one a couple million dollar blow job. You know what I mean? Like he wanted <laughs> to walk with that, like, <laughs> And he got it. Yeah. yeah he did. Um, and this is the thing, I think I mentioned this to you guys, like, it is so um, hard to explain the fascination and the female um, gaze towards Vincent Gallo. I have not got one single, not necessarily single, but, you know, I don't have one friend who's female who does not find Vincent Gallo attractive or is and it's it's so hard to explain because he has all these things that are wrong with him but he has all these things like it's like he's so like he's so attractive he's like his dress sense is immaculate like and the broodiness i don't know it's it's so i shouldn't like him right i just shouldn't but can't <laughs> yeah, stop it's like uh <laughs> mick jagger and you know like in his prime you know yeah, free, like you're talking about free jack yes no. <laughs> <laughs> and it is so much yes, about free that is um, like- there's, there's just it's, it's it's really ballsy to make like a i could fix a movie about yourself like he like right. he puts himself yes. in the center of this movie and he's like the ultimate like i could fix him though character right like both him as a person and his character in the movie but he's mm. but then you remember he's writing directing producing and acting in this himself like he's making yeah. i like he's like i could fix me like yeah. Well, and it's interesting that we we're following this after doing real life with Albert Brooks, where the Albert Brooks in that movie is a super stylized, not accurate version of who Albert Brooks is. He's like this villainous character, basically. Uh, yeah. And I didn't even think about the fact that those two being together, where it's like, I get the feeling that like, no, Vincent Gallo probably is more like that, just without the redemptive arc at the end. But <laughs> but it makes for a great movie. And that's why a lot of people are conflicted about it, because you're like, well, I, th- I kind of think this guy sucks. It's like, well, sure, but like, it's a very incredibly well shot movie. Uh, it's incredibly it's actually pretty well scripted the whole thing you have to suspend the disbelief of like it being sort of dreamlike of like why doesn't she just leave why doesn't she just like run away like why yeah. is it, why is she wanting but then that goes back to what renee was saying that's why i'm so glad that uh renee is on to talk about that because i think it's probably harder to understand for straight dudes as to why like you would stick yeah, around three, someone like three, that yeah. a three guy a three like heterosexual this male panel on this movie yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't work be 
yeah. I would refuse yeah. to do it because I'm like, I'm not looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's, that, that, you know, and that is the thing, like, throughout this film. Like, um, I've dropped it a few times this week just that we're doing this podcast and every person I've mentioned what film we're doing has said, love that movie, love yeah. that movie. Like I haven't had one person say, oh, that, that's a shit movie, I don't like it or whatever. And then everyone, everyone remembers Vincent Gallo, whether you like him or not, whatever it is about him. Everyone knows him, everyone remembers him. Like he's just got that thing about him. But and He's not forgettable, that's for sure. I, no, I, had, yeah. I had one person I had one person on Facebook hating on this movie, but you could tell, like I could tell it was tinged with Vincent Gallo as a person mm -hmm. uh, as like a, yeah. Which is, yeah. that's pretty much by default how we consume culture now, right? Like art yeah. and artists are one and the same. I don't agree with that, but that is what culturally the, the mob has decided. And but like the character in this movie too is is like really relatable. Like, like uh, I mean, you grew up in the upstate, uh, you grew up in the upstate New York of California. Um, <laughs> you know. yeah. I'm in it right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I spent kidding. a few years in upstate New York. I, I was a... Uh, outside of Syracuse yeah. but but you know um like, like there's a certain uh thing about that kind of area and there's tons of guys just like that uh, sure. they might not look as good like uh, you know I was <laughs> like, like I, I love uh like like Vincent Gallo is one of those people like like the way light like strikes his face and yeah. especially whenever he's lit like like even in that interview I'm just like God, I gotta draw this this is this is fascinating yeah. like look at that um, it's very, it, it, it's, also, it's very angular, and I and I wonder yeah. if there's something to do with human psychology and the angularness of his his features, right? Like, because there's something the appealing nose. about yeah. Power yeah. nose. Girls yeah. love a, a weird big power like power nose. Like all the really unique looking actors. Wait, do you see the maestro? <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, you know, and then like obviously the chin, and then give him that hair and put on those red cowboy boots. I'm right. your whole. Even though you suck, don't talk. You know what I mean. Like, Even though, like the first fifty minutes of this is him looking for a place to piss unsuccessfully, yeah. which, <laughs> which is actually kind of amazing. I forgot how like long it goes and like yeah. how amazing it is that like it's, it's like no, just everywhere he goes, like and it's like I, it's interesting because I that is a thing, and I it's like I can't think of any other film I've seen that. And I'm like, oh yeah, like every place is just like closed him. Yeah, this place they won't let him. The scene where he goes, I need to piss when he's with Christina Ricci, when he's with Layla. And then yeah. he goes and he's like, I'm, you know, I've got to go. And then he's like, woo, you know, like really yeah. happy about the fact that he got to pee. And then he's finally like, I have to apologize, I've, you know. Yeah, sorry, I kidnapped you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's like, I'm sorry. I, I really needed to pee. Yeah, I really had to pee. Um, no, but there's something about, and, and I know that Vince Gallo had like escaped to New York City, right? Like he had, like that's where he was based. That there's something about New York City that really fucking does that to you. Because like I like I don't know how much you guys have every time I go to New York City, City I have to pee. Well, just <laughs> I have to pee just hearing about it. <laughs> well, no, but, but, well, I mean, you know, I have I have my uh, I had to pee in that subway going the whole time. But there's that's something right. About being, I forgot about that. About yeah. Getting getting to the city on a bus or like uh you know like uh, on the train or something, and then yeah. you get to the station and you don't and you don't think about like oh I really have to use the bathroom and you start walking in the city and if you're wandering because like I've gone to the city uh awaiting like. Um, like job interview type things, right? Like situations where, um, like you kind of have to just wander around while you're waiting to go somewhere. Like whether it was like uh, the time, which I get to bring this up the second episode in a row when I went to like uh, meet Michael or whatever, and I had to walk around the city for the entire day and like waiting to go to the majority report studio or whatever. Like I get in every time like a couple hours early, 
So if you if you have to pee at some point, which you know inevitably you always do in the city, it's so hard to find a bathroom. Nobody wants to let you into right. their bathroom. Yeah. You have to go find a McDonald's. A lot of times it's like a McDonald's that lets you do it on like the second floor or something. But a lot of times they're closed. Like so, there really is like this feeling of it's it's like, an actual thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's not like the back in the eighties whenever you could just pee wherever you wanted and it, it doesn't matter. Nobody <laughs> noticed. Everything smelled like urine anyways. I still do, but I, I also I also love that he happens to stop behind the one car where the person's pulling out, and and and, 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 she, and she gets he's going to the, and he's like, oh, God, like like and it's so like and you're like, oh my god, and it's like Bo was afraid level of like stress of like, oh my god, can he just pee somewhere, please? Yeah. And like I'm not gonna say it justifies the hostage shaking or anything, but like, <laughs> but it well, is like the guys looking at his dick. The guys he gets in the one stall yes. where the guys looking down at his and dick and he's like, you have such it, yeah. a big dick, and then he's like, now I can't pee. Which I don't know. I get I get stage fright sometimes. If I'm and too again, that's close like to people that are... that's like yeah. like the fascination by Vincent Gallo of his own dick and fascination by other people of his dick. Right. And like that point illustrates it. The fact that he's like, I need to put this scene in where someone's gawking at my dick and says it's big. Like that's not necessary in the film at all. But, well, maybe maybe it is because I mean, psychologically, I mean, then you know, then, then you know why Christina Ricci is instantly like, "I'm gonna keep following this guy. He looks like he has a big dick." Well, she's my, a, but but friend, but she's a about yelling about it. But but she, but she's like a chapter and verse. I can fix him, kind yeah. of girl. You and know, also, like I think though, also he's like so he's, you know, if you saw that that he he is he's an illustration <laughs> of this uh, he's Ill it's too many people around like really you know adonis type dude right first thing any woman's gonna do is be like what up and then she, you know he tries to like take her but he's not scary at all and the whole time he's a bumbling telling you he's gonna bite her ear off or whatever yeah <laughs> but he, it's not convincing in any way he's talking like he's like a child in a playground he's hurt like, yeah yeah he's he's not really gonna you don't get the sense of like fear and about him you know like there's that and then once she gets in the car and he starts which i love this scene because i drive you know a non-stick car and, and like, i love how like he, he doesn't use a contraction i cannot drive a shifter car it's what he says yeah, and it's yeah, like amazing because the fact yeah. that he doesn't use a contraction there like does so much work Yes. And then he goes, and where he says, "I drive luxury cars." Like, right. luxury cars. I drive right? luxury. And that 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 delivery <laughs> in that reminds me of Quentin Tarantino. Whenever yeah. Tarantino gives an interview, and he's like, "Guess what I do? I drive luxury yeah. cars." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I have some uh, breaking news. Uh, Matt Cushman is back on Twitter uh, after his medical emergency. So yeah, he had a right. stroke. He, yeah. he wrote that he had a stroke. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, I just, just, you know, happy to see that, uh, you know, he's doing better. Uh, he hasn't come on the show yet, but you know, one yeah, day at a time. Come on, he came on Ben's show and you didn't ask him. And I was like, you should ask him. I was, anyway. I, I never had a chance. It was literally two days before his stroke though. So he would, have, he would have had to cancel. <laughs> yeah. Would have worked out anyway. But, um, no, so that whole sequence is, is very, is very relatable to me as someone that frequently has to be. <laughs> and, and, uh, there's something very, yeah, there's something I, I very. Cars my whole life, guys. So in Australia, yeah. like there is plenty of manual cars, but there's a lot like of luxury cars where I grew up because that's just you want to get in the car and you want to drive fast. You don't want to fuck around with all this shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like there's something, there's something that very... scene, you see his weakness immediately, and you right. see that he's yeah. kind of a bumbling fool, and that he's not really 
harmful in any way. And then when he finally gets to piss and he starts like, oh, I've got to apologize. Like, I've been busting. What kidnapper does that? Yeah, apologizes to no the victim. One. Yeah, the kidnapper. Yeah. For, for taking a piss and well, like. Ever got kidnapped? Um, <laughs> you know, I need you to do a favor for me. Yeah. Like, he even asks her, I need you to do a favor for me. Why did he just force her? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he also, his, his threat. His threat, right? First, he says, "Oh, if you don't do this right, I'll kill you." And then he says, "If you if you don't do this right, I'll never be your friend again. I'll never talk to you again." Exactly. Like, that's, like what? That's, <laughs> the, that's the playground thing again. And he's like, you know, in front of mommy and daddy. And then yeah. you know, yeah. but, but if you do it and you do it good, we'll be friends, friends for life. Well, like, you can be my best friend, the best friend yeah, I've yeah. ever had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. It's like normal people, if you kidnap them and you're like, you could be the best friend I ever had. Like the first thought going through my head is like, I don't know if I want that. Like, what is that? What does that entail? Like, you're going to call me every day and ask and be like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, you just kidnapped me. Like, it's going to take a while. Yeah, yeah. No, but but it's but it's done in a convincing way, right? It's done in a way that like there's a rhythm to it. It's sort of like it's not like as abrupt. Like it it manages to work in a way that it would be placed <laughs> placed somewhere else. Like maybe that would seem less convincing, but there is something, and I was watching for it because it's like the third time that I've seen it. I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm really going to try to see if like I was just vibing along with this before. And that like, it does. It's like, no, it absolutely somehow makes sense. It shouldn't make sense, but it does, <laughs> but yeah, it does. It's aesthetically beautiful. But, like, like a, a yeah. female, like I guess female mind, like, He's showing his vulnerability, and if anything, right. the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm watching it is this guy's just lonely. Yeah, and then and then you find out more, and you're like, oh, he's just sad, and no one's ever, you know, no one's loved him, and all these things, and you're like, oh, it's like a no, puppy. No, don't don't arrest him. He was just sad. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like a poor little puppy at a, at a pet store that no one wants to buy. So you go and buy. I can. This is this is I think one of the trappings of why a lot of women struggle with this film because they they just want right. to grab him and fix him and give him a hug and like and then also have your panties drop well, but also <laughs> one of the things i think is re- that true but also one of the things that's really like i think to me like when people go on huge things about you know um the misogyny or you know you know all this kind of incel behavior like yes there is tinges of that 100 percent. but i also feel like um some of it's like you know, misdirected and he's, you know, in the sense that like, if this was someone who's very, very misogynistic, like, you know, we got to remember throughout this film, Christina Ritchie's never naked. There's no sexual right. anything in this film. He doesn't even he want her to touch him. To, yeah, exactly. And like so she kisses his, his head and he's like, we're he's the couple that doesn't much. touch. We're spending yeah. time. We're not <laughs> touching. We're not, yeah, which not is very funny. Yeah. It's so funny. I love which that. Which is like, funny, but it's also... There's something about being in, in in prison where a lot of stuff like you know uh, rape and sexual assault and all that stuff happens. Where prisoners come out of there completely traumatized. You don't get the feeling that he's you get the feeling that he's someone who has established that he's uh, he, he can say scary shit. He can bluster his way through things and like grab somebody, but he doesn't really you know he's not like he's someone that probably that those five years in prison wasn't exactly kind to when he came in there anyway because you can see him in that stupid little Buffalo Bills hat when he's talking to Mickey Rourke like. He does. He does look like a little kid, and the angle he gives himself is like a little kid's angle. Uh, well, in the you know, the full five years, like, youthful like innocence. That, that it's it's almost like he's actually his mind is trapped 
back yeah. when he was a boy. And I feel like, and it's also like he has this intense fear and un, un like, you know, developed emotions. So it's like he, he right. doesn't, you know, he's had these things happen to him. Like, I mean, his parents are fucking jerks. And, you know, just seeing how they treat him as an adult, you can imagine what he was treated like as a child. And then... Well, you don't have to imagine. You see him, his dad killed yeah, the dog. Like, yeah. yeah he, doesn't have, like, he doesn't have that intimacy. I feel like that's, you know, there's a lot of mental health factors here that, you know, clearly... The, the, there's so much to unpack with Ben Gazzara's performance on here, too, by the way. Like, it's yeah. sort of like, oh, you can have like, a movie about him. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I, when I, I rewatched this last night, and I've probably seen this movie 15 times in my lifetime. Like, yeah. I've seen it a lot of times, right? And, like, even watching it again last night after I haven't watched it in quite a long time, <laughs> the father, you know, there were scenes with the father that I just felt dirty. Like, the scene yeah. when, all the scenes interacting with Christina Ricci are really fucking not cool. Yeah, he's got like this creeper vibe, and that's the thing. Like you don't. You get feel like she's in danger, and you don't necessarily feel like she's in danger with with. Uh, you don't. I don't. I, I. You automatically have. You're looking at these two fucked up characters. It's almost like Fight Club, right? You got these two fucked up characters, and you kind of want them to fall in love together. You know, it's that Sid and Nancy thing. They're like two people that are like you know the destined shitness together, and yeah, that's it's like I'll just be Sid and Nancy. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. Like, you know, they've both got, yeah, emotional problems going on there. And I mean, well, like, his, like, his socializing is not great. Like, that's all I'm saying yeah. with the. Yeah, oh, definitely not. I mean, who would, <laughs> I mean, who would be like, don't, you know, so like you've got Christina Ritchie next to you, who, you know, at this point in time was in her like 90s Gen X, just fantastic <laughs> well, just fantastic and i feel yes, terrible agreed. for her i feel terrible terrible for her that this film you know she got the worst media attention she ever got from a film from this film she was called fat ugly all sorts of things uh, when she did this film and she's i think so most pretty people, in it though yeah like, she's I, like all time and her and i felt i felt kind of too i yeah i felt kind of everybody everybody all at once quickly everybody yeah. talk all at once <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, there's the there's that sense of like, you know, she is incredible looking in this film and incredible at acting in this film. Yeah. And it's such a disappointment that it, she was treated so crap by the media, yeah. but, you know, because of this role. And I'm I'm pretty when I rewatched it last night, it reminded me that not long after this film was when she actually went and got a boob job and a whole bunch of stuff done. Which yeah, she you know, did that topless yeah. scene in that one movie, um, mm -hmm. which I remember Entertainment Weekly, the artist painted a little beer gut on her. Mm. Yeah, it was it was it was horrendous. But she's actually stunning in this film, and I don't know anyone that does isn't in love with her in this film. So I well, mean, she, it's a testament to indie films, isn't it? And look at the the tap dancing sequence and like the bowling alley, right? Which is like one of the best uses of a King, King Crimson song ever, by the way. Uh, and it, it's astounding. It's great, and it doesn't make any sense while it's there in a David Lynchian sort of way, but it makes all the sense why it's there. Yeah, it's the only scene where she she actually kind of shows a little bit of her own agency of like you know who she is, and it doesn't. There's nothing there. Like like it's great because you can just put whatever you want into it. Um, yeah, well, she uh, because like, like uh, yeah, well yeah, that's that's about it. Um, but but like like on paper, there's very little uh, it, you know depth to her character, and uh, yet like her performance and especially that scene. It's I, all, I, it's all in the vibe. It's all in the performance. I agree. It's, it's, yeah. it's notably I, I great. Think, I think adding yeah. though, like a backstory for her would have 
ruined the kind of the fantasy, right? Like he, the it's, it's the story oh. of him finding like the perfect uh, woman who just kind of exists as a blank slate to complete yeah. their relationship because he's someone who's never had love before. And you, so you never know anything about like, it seems like she's the woman from nowhere. Just as Vincent Gallo seems like the man from nowhere. He, yeah, he I, I don't actually agree that she's a blank slate. And I think it's more interesting that we don't know. But I think yeah. that there is a probably a very interesting backstory that we're just not privy to. Just yeah. like how in life that happens as well. You know, it just happens to be that he stumbled upon maybe the perfect person to basically yeah. adopt. Well, I'm not saying that she's a blank slate. We never find out anything about her, right? Like, we never find no. out yeah. why, uh, like... Yeah. She drove herself to dance class, so I guess she's old enough to at least be an adult. But it's not like she's never like, oh, I have to get home for my parents, or like, I, you know, I have a boyfriend that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. To, like, it just doesn't seem like it seems in the same way that he's like kind of a, a like a lonely person, kind of drifting through time, spanning time. She's the same kind of like right. lonely person because yeah, we never yeah. Yeah, you do get a sense. You do get a sense of the, of loneliness with her. I feel like as well, but. I also feel like um, one of the things, you know, when people go on rants about misogyny in this film is I think they actually, you know, they underestimate Layla. Yes, you know, they I agree. Off, they write her off as this completely, you know, innocent, like airhead, dumb kind of character. And I don't think she is that at all. Like this, you know, she's very sassy and she's got yeah. a smart mouth and she, she isn't afraid to bite back. Like if you're with a, if you're with a kidnapper and they're telling you something, you don't go go up against them. You just... You just don't, you know? So if if I may, if I may, first of all, I, I think the fact that she being fundamentally mysterious is is very key to the plot, but being a tabula rosa is not accurate. Again, like I, I think it's more misogynistic to assume that, oh, she's just this blank slate pretty girl. I'm like, we don't know anything about her. She could be a serial killer for all we know. You know, like it, it's not it's not said either way, and it's not immediately relevant to his story. Because, like, he's got his own things going on and he's a screwed up emotional individual just trying to, like, deal with the situation he's in. But I actually think it's more, it's a better film because of that. It, it, it could have been just the, like, oh, well, this is just this pretty girl who's in a tap dance class. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's not what it is. But she's and also like, she her immediately. She could have left at any time. There's um, so many times she yeah. could have just walked away. She could have walked away. Or, 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 like, you know, screamed, yelled, hit. Yeah. many things but instead she's you know like there is a weird charisma between the two of them there's something right. dry like that's bouncing off each of them and even when she you know there's moments where she said oh, i'm so you know where she says i'm so sorry like oh yeah. you know i'm sorry like about this happening to you and that happened to you and like why who cares this guy kidnapped you in in a real real situation you'd be like right. get fucked dude i don't care like let mm. me go but, you know there, there isn't that there's this some kind of something that is interesting to both characters i think about each other well and that I, th I think that comes across and i think that anyone that's approaching the movie in good faith and hasn't already made a decision based on maybe what they read on the internet can appreciate that that like I, i'm not saying you have to be 100 percent bought into it i'm just saying that for me it absolutely works and i expected maybe i would have a totally different reaction coming at it as like grown-ass man <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and I didn't. I was like, I was like, actually, this is more like pointy and beautiful and screwed up, you know. And, and yeah, well, yeah. The first time we see her is in the dance suit. She's crying in the bathroom. Like, yeah. There, there's emotional depth to the fact that she's clearly someone that's not fitting in in her dance class for whatever reason, or is being like pressured throughout that situation. And it does. It also feels like she's almost leaving whatever life she had. Right. She's willing to commit because you you see the sadness inherent and stuff when she's in that bathroom scene. So it's it's rock, like maybe it's rock bottom for her too, for a different reason entirely. Yeah. Well, it feels like she just goes all in. Like the second yeah. he's like, "All right, well, I need you to do me this favor. I need you to be this character," and she like is coming up, and she's maybe not the best at like coming up with the character. Yeah. Like the CIA thing is like, yeah. "All right, like I don't know if that's the but best." Even, but, I think that's reflected in that scene yeah. where she, where she's at the table and she's telling the parents she's pregnant. That's not necessary. Yeah. She's just layering all this <laughs> stuff on. She's enjoying herself. Yeah. yeah, there's a level of boredom to it too. I feel like, like on her side, right? Like a level of like I'm trying to make this stuff interesting. Like she's, oh, it's right. like uh, she's committed to having a backstory to the point where she's like, well, let's see. Like I want to get some reaction from the parents. Like the thing that he clearly wants is a reaction from his parents. He's like struggling to get a reaction from his parents, and her like uh, hail Mary past moment is to say like I'm pregnant, and then that gets like that's that's how far she has to go. To get a reaction mm. from them because they're people that are so doled out and so unloving and so uncaring at that point that like she sees that the only way to do it is to like drop the atomic bomb pretty much on the family mm. <laughs> right yeah, well she uh, immerses herself in that fantasy though she really yeah. immerses herself in the fantasy which is something that most people wouldn't do she's it's like she's already bought into you know she's already bought into into him as a human like she's already accepted him with all of this awkwardness and she's you know that that says a lot about her character too that she immediately kind of leans into this guy and to what's happening whereas most people would would reject and obviously be trying to get away but she's she's not in a hurry to get away right. like she's actually you can see that she's not and then as it progresses you know the scene where he says about you know going going with him and like you know he's like I you know I'm not going to lay down with you and she's like oh that's too you know that's I was telling you know I was serious type thing and you're like yeah you know yeah. at some point she clicks over into I want to go to the you know I I like this dude or you or whatever I want to go to the brain right. zone. There's a moment. And, and also, she uncovers that he's kind of this. <laughs> that was a deleted scene, actually. She said that. <laughs> she uncovers that he's kind of this like virgin kind of uh figure that's like you know has been so awkward and and so uh you know rejected by um despite putting on like, like this brave face where he's like i could have had any girl i wanted like he admits at one point like oh no girls wanted to talk to me and i was like stalking this one girl and the one girl does suck and literally i i can't like see that scene without thinking about rosanna arquette's uh like after hours uh speech that she gives in the diner yes about oh yeah yeah fucking, so like in my head in <laughs> surrender my head, dorothy yeah in my head that guy don is the surrender because he's so bland and like boring in my head oh, he's yeah. the guy that said surrender dorothy but um he's like oh he's gonna make dorothy surrender so hard like, when he gets home tonight like <laughs> and like wendy balsam sucks like she sucks she's so she's shit. like she's like dry humping the guy in the actual diner yeah. like while everyone like, 100%. <laughs> yeah and it's i think a and like you know that that's the bit you know where people talk about you know him being you know the character maybe is an incel and i think like i think that he's not necessarily it's not direct incel behavior i don't think there's actually malice there it's it's 
you know, it's he's unloved. He's, he's never, he's, he's never. Yeah, he's emotionally. Yeah, he's stunted. He's like he has stunted. Yes, he's stunted. He hasn't had any experience with love to start with, whether that be just on a base level or you know, or relationship. Not from his parents. Yeah, no, and then and then you put like so he's he's made this fantasy world where he's got this Wendy Bolson, but like. You know, and then you've got this other, you know, you, we're seeing the side of him, don't touch me, don't do this. It's like he's obviously got issues around these things. So even if he got the Wendy Balsam, he would have been an awkward dude for anyway. Right. Like you kind of get that feeling. And I feel that like, you know, you look at his mother and, and definitely there's, you know, that mother, you know, mother issues going on massively. If, you, you know, your mother treats you that way and that's the experience you've had your whole life. And then the next person is that, terrible wendy balsam the ex small experiences he's had have been dreadful and that's yeah. that childlike nature has informed his attitude and you know towards towards women and then there's that innocence like invisibility that he's got so i, I i'm you know i hate to say it because again it's very very like opposing right. contradictory because it's like hang on a minute i should hate this guy but i'm actually making excuses for this poor dude like i said i just want to fix him <laughs> I want to like put him in bed, luck, him, you know? him some hair rubs, you know, like, and him in the and him in the bath. Like, I'm just like, oh, look at him; he's so attractive, and he's sad, and he's lonely, and he doesn't know. I'll pour him. Just want to just give it to me, right? Well, well, and, well, and it also it also it also makes the uh the, the fact that like his ten thousand dollar bet on the uh, Buffalo Bills, right? Like, it, it wouldn't make sense until you've seen the mother and you realize like the only way to get through yeah. to somebody like that is is to put to place like the ten thousand dollar bet in the bills and then to be like like the one thing she cares about is obviously watching the game and he's so he's putting money he doesn't even have on it to be like look mom i i can bet i can i i won all this money like it's clearly his version of the like i'm pregnant uh thing yeah well okay yeah. so 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 what i was tr gonna attempt to 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 just break in on uh for this is is to actually bring that up but to bring up the point of the earlier one is that okay so wendy is this sort of like cruel caddy like she knows all about him obviously she's playing she's just being cruel to him but her his mom villainously inattentive except for the football like that's the one thing she pays yeah. attention to. So that is obviously the entire motivating factor of it is like, oh, it's not just like, oh, if I win the money, it's like if I win the money with the Buffalo Bills winning, yeah, yeah, then yeah. that would maybe get my mom to pay attention in some way that would be positive. Yeah, Which I'll is yeah. my mom might win my mom. Like, like, look when it goes to the scenario where you have the like the the gamed out worst possible ending right you, you see ben gazara and you see um uh, uh what's her nuts uh i can't remember the actress's name and, and they're on they're on his grave Angelica and she's like angelica Houston, thank you and, and they're on his grave and she's trying to listen to the game on his grave and it's sort of like oh because that's who that is that's literally all she cares about and, and it's it's the only way he'd ever get attention and I love that detail that that she's watching a pre-recorded game and still having that yeah. emotional outlet, like like because because you don't realize because you see her like fast forward the commercials, you're like what yeah, like, like, what <laughs> this is 1998 they they didn't have like TiVo or something like that yeah 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 they didn't like pause it now it's catching up to real time this this ain't how it works like she's ignoring her son she's ignoring the situation emotionally that she's in to watch 
a pre-recorded game that she's reacting as if it's happening in real time because that's then, and then of how course you see the, the the field goal too like like, yeah. like you have that knowing what's gonna goal. happen <laughs> and then you know having that reaction and then having that flashback and it's the exact same field goal that happened uh that they were the ten thousand dollar bet yeah, i i find i find it interesting that um his his own commentary on like the parent character is he was like well i'd reached a point with my own parents at this point where i thought they were like despite the abuse and everything like i thought they were funnier than they were toxic and like dark but he was like if i had written the script you know like 10 years before or something right like if i had written this when i was going through it with my parents and when i was what when i wasn't living around like you know living as a gigolo in uh, <laughs> new york city <laughs> of gigolo right. slash patriot in new york city like having my own life if i had written it earlier it would have been a much darker script because mm. at, at that point he was like well there's something inherently charming and funny about my parents being so comically, um, which it's it's crazy. He has that introspection on his own writing process or whatever. Like his parents being so comically over the top and like uh, you know inattentive. I, I could see why you know before he had at least um, you know hit that point in his head or like grappled with that, it would have been a much darker situation when he finally got home. Well, I mean, I think that like it it works so well because like again, his mom only cares about Buffalo Bills. Uh, his dad only seems to care about when it's time to eat and perving on Christina Ricci and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, feels, like feels her up and then goes back to normal again. And, yeah, like, and then it's like whatever. Okay, creepy. he's yeah. such a creeper. And that's such a like kind of like in that way, Bengazara feels like such a David Lynch character. In that way, where there's just this like very matter of fact perviness, and then like and back to normal. And you're like, what? What just happened? Are you kidding yeah. me? It's like somebody had a blue velvet or something. <laughs> it's an Italian thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Forrest, can, can you speak for that? You know, it's uh, it's like it's like our our uh, our esteemed Governor Cuomo said. You know, um, sometimes you got to move He's not perverted. He's just Italian. Um, <laughs> Who can forget when he said that? Yes. Yeah, well, so this is, I, I wanted to. Um, he was me too. <laughs> well, no, that was his excuse. He was, he was, he was getting me too. And he was on. Uh, he was I, press conference. That, yeah. That's literally, that's literally the joke. Yes. I understand. I remember. <laughs> it was just, it was the best me too uh, excuse ever. That's just like, yeah, I'm Italian. What do you want? Um, but yeah. yeah with, with the male, with the male friends, right. It's, it's come up a couple of times in the chat with, uh, with goon. This, this is a this is Dude, a please this he, is can call him Rocky, uh, please. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky. Don't don't I, dead I, names. Don't. Transition now. Like, yeah. <laughs> with his male friends, like there's there's a very clear distinction. Like, you know, you can tell that he's kind of taken Goon, for example, this kind of fuck up like guy. But he, even though he's quite, you know, he's clearly doesn't have the social skills. You get the feeling that they've known each other for a long time, and that oh yeah, know, yeah they're like high school, and the first person he calls is always Goon, right? So they're clearly fuck ups together, and that's his like. You see that there's sort of an affectionate like relationship going on there. Well, they're playing. They're, when he makes the bet, he and Goon are the yeah. ones watching the you know watching the game. Yeah, and when he's saying like, "Don't do bad things," and he's trying to convince him, and then yeah. you have that um, a, a totally contradictory experience where. When he's outside of his personal <laughs> space, like so in the bowling alley, he's Mr. Flick, you know, he's like, <laughs> it will always be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, he's being Mr. Slick at the bowling alley with, you know, sure. his outside appearance is like, hey, I'm slick and cool. And he's like chatting to the guy. And even when he says like, you know, I picked her up hitchhiking, you know. And Jan like, Michael Vincent, by the way, that's Jan Michael Vincent, just yes. as, a, as an aside. It's easy to forget about. I'm like, oh, well, it's actually, like, why does that guy look familiar? It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. But I actually love Boone. So I actually love his character and I love the interactions between him as well. Yeah, so this so this is a this is a clip from. Um, By the way, that that's if you ever want to know what happened after Airwolf, he's running a bowling alley now. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is this is Kevin. What? Corrigan. No, it, 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 not okay. even Andy on that one. Yeah, no, I was just like, wait, that's, that's so, <laughs> like, my brain's breaking over here because I didn't quite put two and two together. Yeah, Jan Michael Vincent was in Airwolf. That's what makes that funny. Yeah, yeah, it's so. a string fellow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go, go ahead. That that did not land. Go ahead. <laughs> Shout out to I mean, Michael Vincent. I mean, it's you know here here on the here on the uh, East Coast, it's eleven thirty on a Friday. You know, all, it's right, like, all right, all yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's the end of the yeah. week. <laughs> Everyone's got turkey brain. No. <laughs> so this is this is uh. Look, all I gotta say about Thanksgiving is there's always room for Airwolf <laughs> and Airbud. <laughs> Airwolf air, air is uh, Airbud's uh, stronger cousin. Airbud air is called Airwolf. Once we were Airwolves. Um, so this is this is Kevin Clark talking about uh, how he was drunk and in need of uh, affirmation when he took the bar. <laughs> Actually, we we met in uh, uh, like I was telling you before. We have a mutual friend who was in the hospital. In around 1993 and we met in her room and um and then about uh three or four years later we met at the sundance festival and i uh and he saw something i was in at that time i, I it might have been walking and talking and he 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 said you're you're my favorite actor I, I have a I have a movie that I want you to uh, I want you to be in. We're gonna play brothers. And um, did you know who he was? Like, did you like? Was he a, a figure to you at all? As a guy who could make a movie? No, he was just the guy that I met through my friend in the hospital. Uh, I mean, I knew he was an actor, but the 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 only real performance I was familiar with was the one he gave in my friend's hospital room. Because right. he was telling stories and he was captivating, uh, and uh, and he was he he didn't remember me from that right. from the hospital, right. and I finally told him, you know, we've met before through through uh, Bianca, at the, at the hospital that time. He goes, that's you, that's you. You're you're that kid, you're you're that that kid in the in the uh, with Bianca in the room that time. Oh man, that's that's you. You're really that guy. Uh, and then he says, well, we, we, we have to work together. I have the script. And, and I said, sure. And he was, you know, putting his arm around me and everyone who walked by goes, look, don't you think we could be brothers? We look like brothers, don't we? And um, a, a year went by. I finally, I heard from him. And he said he wanted to send me the script. And, and I, I, I got it. And there was no brother in it. There was that character right <laughs> and I, I had a really like a sinking there is no brother only good part that he wanted me to do and i was right and uh, 
and he uh, and I I I, I I I was uncomfortable with the, the idea, and I asked if I could play the gangster instead, the Mickey Rourke part. And he said, yeah, I can see how you would be attracted to that role. <laughs> but in, that guy has to be like someone really tough, like someone who could, who could beat me up or, you know, you know, uh, um, you're, you're, you're goon. You, you have to play goon. You're, 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 the, you're you are goon. You, you, no one else can play the part but you. And so then you you know you're working with them. Did you rehearse with them, or did you just you just show up for the, the work? I we just I just showed up, and um, and he he told me. I mean, I kept refusing him, and and um. Uh, uh, what do you mean by refusing him? I, I turned him down. I passed on the on the part. I said, right. I'm, I'm not your guy. Right. And the whole thing went away. Okay. It came back. It, it, it came back because I went sort of crawling back. Um, at, um, I don't know if I should go into the whole thing. It's, 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 I, I called him up. I was, I was drunk. And um, I had just lost the uh, Independent Spirit Award to right. Benicio Del Toro. Right. And I told Vincent all of this on the phone. Well, you walked from Santa Monica to Beverly Hills. I, I walked from the big tent. Um, I walked as far as I could before. It was just too hot. And, and I, I got a cab the rest of the way to the hotel. Okay. And, um, and uh, I was really drunk. And I, 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 and I was really upset. I was having a, like a, a kind of a, a collapse uh, emotionally. And I, 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 needed, I needed some immediate... Of like validation, I needed right. an immediate shot of, of encouragement, and I called him, and I told him the whole story, and he was like, "Where, where are you? What are you? What are you doing right now? Who did you? What? Who, what? Who did you lose to, or something?" I said, "Benicio del Toro." It was like Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather, and he, and he's like, "What did he win for?" And I said, "For for Basquiat." He goes, "Yeah, he, he won for playing me." <clears throat> Uh, which was a coincidence, and I said, "Well, listen, I, I think I want to be in your movie." Right. And he goes, "Yo, you want to be in the movie? You want to be in my movie now?" <laughs> he goes, "Well, I gave the part to someone else." And um, he goes, "But listen, I'm gonna get it back." This is a true story. He he he, uh, he goes, "I'll call the guy. I'll tell him, you know." That uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll make it happen. I'll make it work. Whatever, however he. he Do you know who that was? I don't know, and I and you know maybe maybe it was nobody. You know, but I don't know. <laughs> Who's gooning now? He's just a weirdo as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's totally good. He's good. He's good. He's good in real life. Call him Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, he, I, he, 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 he uh i remember he was in super bad he's the guy that owns the, oh, yeah. the the house that has the uh the, that's the first movie i, I remember because I've, I've seen him in other like i saw him in goodfellas they were he vincent gallo was in goodfellas too which is interesting but um i i remember 
in uh in Superbad, he's the guy whose house is having the party and he throws out uh right. the really fucking creepy I forget the actor's name, but his his like pedophile character pretty much like he throws him out of the fucking house and is like the one that gets everyone to hit him and stuff. Exactly. He gooning. <laughs> but I do there's this kind of fascination, innocent fascination and comedy to those scenes with Goon. Well, and especially like, and I actually genuinely, because this is a funny movie in weird ways, but just this whole thing of like, call me Rocky. (laughs) I'm not goon anymore. And then like, he goes on this, like, and he's so pissed because like where, uh, where the character Billy Brown is at is like, it's the last thing that that he wants to hear. So he's like, so then he goes into that tirade about, you know, why they call you goon. It's because you're retarded and you're ugly. You're an ugly retard, which he doubles down on. I appreciate that. (laughs) And they call you goon because you're ugly and retarded. You'll always be goon, 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 goon. That's what I'm going to call you for the rest of your life is goon, 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 goon. Okay. So fuck you. Like it's, it's so like, that's his level of frustration, but the armed response to just like, Hey, can you maybe not call me this horrible nickname? Like, and call me, like, this other thing instead? No. That's, that's not something that Billy can do. And it's, but it's, it's, it's sad. But it's so funny because if you think of, like, where these two characters are at, right? That, like, hey, here's this guy that he was really close with. But since then, he's become this more fully realized entity, we can assume, and, like, has his own life and has, like, built up his autonomy and doesn't necessarily want to be called this, like, horrible nickname anymore. And then all... <laughs> And then Billy's like, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> yeah, he, completely, he completely disables him and rebuffs. Like, and like, yeah, like, that's not important. Like, all the things you're saying are not important at all. And, like, just what about my needs is basically what it is. Which is, which is so juvenile, but it is so funny. Like, it is, it is funnier than it really should be for me. Yeah. Oh, it's it also cruel, but it's very funny. But then, but then you have that, you know, again, that scene where the flashback when goon is visiting him in prison right and you see you, they they clearly have that relationship send, send, send these letters this one this when he's perpetuating his fraud right of like mm-hmm. i'm this big successful uh well cia agent apparently and like <laughs> you have to send this in january you send this in february you know so yeah. on and so on like he's like and he's giving and he's like just has no faith that 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 rocky we will call him is going to be mm-hmm. able to complete the task at hand and he keeps being like are you you got this like all right, let's let's go over this again because I'm I'm well, not. Really sure has like a learning disability at the very least. He does, um, right? <laughs> which you know, game recognized game, I guess. Um, goon, 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 goon. Um, <laughs> like he or, says it like yeah, seven goon, times. Or, or or goon recognized goon. Goon um, recognized. No, there's, something, there's something so uh like wow. Also about that last scene where um he, he's about to go in and in his mind he plays out you know. He, he kills Scott Wood and then he kills himself and uh, or, you know, and then he gets so, out, but he calls him up on the phone first. He says, like, you know, like a little kid, like, I want you to have my locker, all the stuff in my locker. I want you to have that. Yeah. Uh, like, you're my best friend. And then he but what he he doesn't go through with it. And he comes back out and realizes it's like, you can't have it. Don't take any of it. I'll kill you. Yeah. He's like, I'll kill you. This is my locker. Don't fucking touch my locker. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, imagine getting those, those messages back to back. You're like scared for your friend. And you're like, Oh fuck. He did the, like he did the thing. Like he did the bad thing that, you know, that he was going to go in there. And I like that. They call it the bad thing. They don't call it like, yeah. right. I'm going to go fucking kill Scott. What? So he's like, they like you're thinking like oh he did the bad thing and then your next lesson is like fuck you don't touch my locker that's my yeah. locker I have a girlfriend you don't have a girlfriend I have a girlfriend you're you're always gonna be goon 
And it's like, good didn't do anything to, to warrant that. <laughs> well, and it's what's funny is that that scene, very funny, by the way, is in the middle of his redemption arc. Like, he's redeemed himself in some way, right? And then, like, it's like, oh, no, we still have time to be a dick, though. Don't worry about that. But <laughs> I... He's just a goon who obviously deserves it because he's goon. Goon, 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 goon. <laughs> but I think that, well, I'm glad you brought that point up. Because first of all, I've been I've been wanting for the entire length of the show to bring up the usage of reversal stock, which was also was brought up in the uh, in the comments as well, which is not typically used 35 millimeter reversal. So I can't even get it anymore. But you have to really oversaturate the lighting. It's very difficult. It's very uh, tumultuous and... Um, so difficult to deal with, much like Vincent Gallo himself, and uh, it, it's it's one of the reasons why this movie like looks so cool. Like this is a cool looking movie. Like the visuals yeah. here are, are, are incredible. And say what you will of Vincent Gallo, and I got plenty to say as well. Dude knows how to <laughs> goon, gonna goon. Yes, dude knows how to light a movie. He knows how to how to frame a movie. Like he he studied from some of the best filmmakers that are out there, especially for vibe and for, and for mood and uh, working on limited budget, like a Casavetti style, style, right? Mm. And it's really, it's almost alarming that, of, of how good it is. But then also, here's the thing. So many people didn't want to give him any credit for it because he's a cock, because he's a cock. <laughs> and if yeah. people, guess what? When you're a jerk, people, people will go out of their way to not give you credit. But visually, this is a stunning movie, but the usage of reversal stock is in it, it's actually insane. It's an insane decision that is insane. Like there's no there's no reason why anyone should ever do that. But yet the results are fantastic. Like it looks unlike. Think about this. Nineteen was it nineteen ninety eight? Right is when this came out. What this this is digital isn't. It isn't even at the point where you get something um, like Danny Boyle doing uh, doing a twenty days later. Like where it's like this like really screwed yeah. up early digital the digital isn't even at that point yet yet movies are also kind of going for this fast handheld quick cut mtv style thing this is a long shot super pensive long ponderous shots when you have a flashback it comes in is a small square and you see like the screwed up thing that's being referenced come into frame and come back out like it's a unique filmmaking style and it's something that is honestly like pretty stupid stunning and it's just crazy gorgeous like uh, when i watched it again last night i was just like mesmerized and i had to rewind it and play it again because i was like fuck this is visually just so attractive i'm just like whoa obviously not the death part but like the way that you know and the blood crystallizing and going out it's just gorgeous like how he does that again the pseudo matrix shot right so we're talking about first of all and I got to give a shout out at this point to best usage of a song in a motion picture for Heart of the Sunrise, which I'm going to charitably say yes was not cool to like at the time. <laughs> That's probably the nicest way that I can put it. And astounding usage of a very weird but cool song. And then, yeah, with the like, again, pre-Matrix frozen in amber kind of like crime scene photo <laughs> style. Like it's... <laughs> Like they're so um, vivid and zoomed in, like it, you know, and ugly. Not, like it's like, you know, like it's like, <laughs> yeah. Because when I when when you watch this film, one of the things that stands out is, as you said, the framing. The, yes. the photography in this film is fucking incredible. Like you know, and it's stunning. Like uh, watching it again last night, I was like, 
almost throughout the whole film, you can take incredible stills of this film. Yes. Like, and, and they stand alone on their own. Look at the and dinner table. What the stuff that's framed from Gallo's perspective and from Ricci's perspective, like in various points mm -hmm. of like the emotional content of the conversation. Like it's the, 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 you know, the downward shots on the bed, the shots with the bath, everything is meticulously crafted. Well, and, then and, and, the, and the shot reversal mm -hmm. shot in the car where it's yeah. the two of them and it's it's bold to frame it up that much in a in a small car like that like it, it's yeah. very it's very bold to frame both both sides of it and to do like the shot reversal shot I, and it's and i'm glad you brought up the the scene in the, in the bed too which for my money is like up there with like the best one car wire whatever i can offer where you just see like you know just like the hands kind of going it's like yeah. oh that's so good because it's that's sort of like so that's the key it's so key to the entire film. And there's been this crazy buildup where you're like, what is going to happen? Like, you just genuinely don't know. You're like, this could go like either way at any moment in time. And that's your work. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, oh, right on. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was I was looking for that, but now I, I, I am. And it's, it is absolutely remarkable. And again, I'm not saying that I love the dude and all of his weird beliefs and all the weird stuff he sells or doesn't sell on his website and uh, his hoarding of aluminum guitars, any of that stuff. And especially not the Brown Bunny, which I despise, but that for that shot alone is like, this is a goddamn masterpiece. I'm sorry. I, I, like, I did you got to give it up. <laughs> good. Well, that's good. Got to get on the ground floor. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, it seems like it's an early like uh, version of like Bitcoin or something. It's yeah, like, yeah, uh, no, it's unvaxxed. It's unvaxxed. Yeah. That's the new Bitcoin. <laughs> and it's, I mean, yeah, there is. Like, it's just the beauty of this film is just astounding. Um, regardless, <laughs> you know, of whether whether you despise or despise Gallo. Regardless of your opinion, unvaxxed sperm, correct? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess if I really needed a child, like, I'd pro you know, I mean, Vincent Gallo, he's really attractive. Like he's very right. arty and musical, you know. Better than going to a sperm bank if you've got the money. <laughs> oh, I really need. To, I really need to get myself a child. Where, where can I do it, Vincent Gallo? He's more <laughs> that Vincent Gallo sperm. <laughs> At least you know he's wow. gonna look pretty good. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, so okay. Wow. All right. Um, <laughs> but I think that, like. But like, so getting back to the the gamed out scenario of like the darkest ending, right? Like you just see this, like everything is just impossibly sleazy and gross in that small town kind of way of like, just everything feels like it's kind of covered in brownish grime and, and uh, whatever you should call the, the, the snow mm -hmm. and dirt mixed together. Yeah. Like whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. What? Sludgy what? and gritty and kind of like yeah. thing and yeah. Cause it's, it's salt and, and dirt and, and yeah. Just, yeah. And you finally see the kicker guy, and he's this gross, corpulent dude, like surrounded by a bunch of uh, boob job strippers. Well, he made, he like, made his nut. He made his yeah. nut. He, he was done. He he missed his kick, and and now he's 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 retired. You know. Like, but you see the approach, and you genuinely don't know what's going to happen. But you're but you're like, it looks like he's going to go through with this. This is crazy. And then you see. This shootout and then him turn the gun on your side. I guess this is where we get demonetized by YouTube, by the way, for inappropriate content. But, but like you see, and then you're like, oh wow, I, okay, crazy. And then and then it 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 does it in a way that's earned, where you're like, oh no, that was just him thinking about it, and he just decided maybe I got something better on the other side of this highway. And and, and that is like 
crazy because it's so invested. And again, you got Heart of the Sunrise going, and you're like, oh, it's gonna get real. Stuff's getting crazy. So, so this this cues up the last the last clip that I wanted to uh, play out of the ones that I grabbed. Uh, th- this is him talking Sorry, about the comments. Everybody's listing all the other problematic men that I also like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this is him talking about uh, what he got out of the process of filming it. I think this is interesting. Like his own. <laughs> no, if a kid doing Harris's insufferable narcissism, well, I missed that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a primary genetic trait. Um, <laughs> so this, is, this is him talking about what he got out of the process of making this, and like the feeling of being in love. So this is this is the last interesting clip that I'll that I'll play. Sure. Uh, I'm in a relationship so now. I'm married. I'm. I have my first love affair of my whole life. So I'm very old. You know, I'm in my thirties. I'm. You know, just turned thirty-seven years old. So to be in a love affair for the first time this late into my life has brought up a lot of those painful abandonment and fears and things. It's very difficult for me um, each day to. love somebody and be loved by them um and it's and i'm disappointed in myself for not being uh uh more prepared for that experience um because uh because i i put a lot of pressure then on on my wife and myself uh because of my uh because of my uh, ability to withdraw all the time um, because I'm so unused to caring about somebody. I never cared about anybody in my whole life, um, especially not myself. I mean, uh, when I raced motorcycles, um, I raced motorcycles for 14 years. It's a very dangerous sport and I would get in crashes all the time, brutal crashes all the time. And the only thing I would worry about was uh, the bike. You know, did I fuck up the paint? How much was it going to cost to fix it? And how long was it going to take me before I could walk again because I needed to clean the house or something? It was never, uh, it was never, oh, wow, I almost killed myself. You know, never that. Um, so it's difficult for me to, to, to be in that relationship now. But making the movie helped me a lot, really a lot. And it, it helped me a lot that I was able to document a lot of my sensibilities as uh, my musical sensibilities, my visual composition sensibilities, my uh, uh, acting performance, my uh, writing performance, uh, the filmmaking itself, all the choices, the credit sequence, everything that I obsessed on, that I always wanted the poster, the CD, I got to control everything, even the trailer for the movie, I made the trailer for the movie. So something about that um, makes me feel very good because forever it's, uh, it's been documented and I feel must, much less anxious about proving myself in that way or being remembered in that way. Sorry, I, I talked too long. Now, as an adult, I remember a lot of those things as funny, but uh, in the moment, um, no, I didn't. I had uh, very little pleasure in a family sense, but I was very full of life. I mean, you know, I loved 
I played baseball, football, basketball. I had hobbies. I raced motorcycles as a kid. I had lots of things. I loved being alive. But uh, anytime my father or mother came around, there was always something wrong. You know, so as long as I was away from them, I was really happy. And as long as I I could go to the basement. Do you have that in Japan? Do they build basements? Uh, no. no. Okay. Well, we have these things where you under the house there's a room, and it's a uh, um, uh, it's a place where you store things. But I had all my my pets there, and my fish tanks, and my models, and all my things that I worked on. And I would come home from school, and I would go in the basement and just stay alone. And I was very happy, very happy. Everything that I do is conceptual, and everything that I'm obsessed with is aesthetic. So the combination of conceptual ideas and aesthetics. Consistent from in everything that I do makes the film have a, a kind of soul and a, and a monochromatic uh, clearness. Um, so, you know, I didn't visualize the film in that way, the way that you saw the film. I visualized it conceptually in an aesthetic way, and that's how it turns out. You know, uh, something like that. It's a. Uh, a bit when I was making the movie, I didn't uh, really think about the film actually ever being released in the movie theaters. I really made the film um, from what I thought was my own point of view at the time. So uh, my sensibility is a bit um, experimental, I guess. <laughs> I literally could watch him talk for hours. I'm just engrossed in what the fuck mm -hmm. is going on of every sentence he says. Like and the lighting, like 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 whoever lit that just just like like understood his face and, and mm. just seeing like every time he moved the way the light just shifts across his face is just like interesting. And, like like and, and he's starting to get the female side of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and it's one of the keys to how gorgeous cinematography is too, because everything with that reversal film has that kind of desaturated, like could be a painting. Yeah, well, it's, it's like you a, know, a, it, you know, to, to the whole like co a color scheme. It's like um, when you do an uh, painting, you do an underpainting that kind of unifies the whole thing. And, and yeah. uh, in film, it's the reverse of that. Like, like the film stock that it's going on is that is that uh, uh, final piece that kind of ties everything together, and it just. You know, um, I, I kind of got obsessed with uh, thinking about like tricks of film uh, when I was doing photography a little while back. Um, and, and I remember like uh, the the Beck video of Devil's Haircut like looked so cool because it was all done with expired film. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, well. Well. I, hold, you know, on, hold, hold on. I know, you have, I know you have. I know you have one thing to cap it off with. I just wanted to quickly uh, reference that he his for like the couple years before this, he was the muse of uh, Claire Denis. And he, who was That's uh, right. yeah. Wim Vinder's um, uh, assistant director on Paris, Texas. So, right. like, he literally learned from, like, you know, the best of the best. Which is also like, a gorgeous movie. Yeah. So, Buffalo 66 has Lance Accord as the cinematographer, who is best known for working on stuff with Spike Jones. Such as being, by the way, also director of a Beck video. Being John Malkovich uh, adaptation and Lost in Translation Tying it back to Sofia Coppola, right? Spike Jones, basically lost in translation is sort of about Spike Jones and Sofia Coppola's relationship breaking up. So yeah. 
Lance Accord, the cinematographer for all that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, and this we this hotel Wi Fi can fuck itself, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, and this is why we do local recordings. Yeah, he did adaptation. Being John Malkovich, like he he he's really great at uh, you know being director of photography or cinema, you know looking at um or you know cinematographer. He's amazing. And then right. couple that couple that with gallows you know conceptual like you know and he says it himself he loves aesthetics and you can tell like because everything is aesthetic from the outfits to the hair to you know the choice of everything is very deliberate the Wait, car which, which is which is why ah, it's yeah. like the the claire denis thing is cool because the two movies like that she um worked as assistant director well she worked on a lot of them but like paris texas wings of desire she was the assistant director on both of those and those are both aesthetic heavy movies and he had gone around just kind of hanging out with her and being like her muse for like uh like five years or something before making this yeah yeah as and you can see that you can see it you can see how it's flows through into his work and this was you know this was his first feature length debut should have been the I last think, too <laughs> but i mean it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal film and gorgeous to watch yeah. As a first feature length, like you know, that I just really hate the Brown Bunny. Sorry, but I love I know, this. I this is a five star movie for me. This yeah. is crazy. I mean, we've talked about Brown, Brown Bunny before, and I, yeah, I know you dislike it immensely. And I, yes, the story isn't great, but I actually love the way it looks. Like, sure. As a as a photography student, I love the way it looks. I just love the sure. way he he lines up shots and frames them. So that film, if you turn off the, you know, if you if you hated it, you know, if you turn off like the vocal and all of that, I feel like just beautifully you can watch it. I mean, my oh, it I looks mean, cool. Yeah, my scene, <laughs> it's not really needed. It's just because I've got a big dick and I want to put it in. But like, you know, the rest of it is gorgeous to watch as as yeah. well. It's also beautifully framed and shot. Um, and he's definitely got an eye for aesthetics. Well, and yeah, and just knowing to get, you know, uh, Spike Jones's guy, and and like knowing that he would be like fully down with like, yeah, I'm using this crazy reversal stock, like you know, I'm I'm gonna be and, and he's you know, casting, he's casting, yeah. like you've got sure. two in, you know, incredibly gorgeous, unique indie darlings. You've got yeah. you know Christina Ricci, and then you've got Chloe Savini. Like he knows how to pick the women too. He, he everything is just really well, you know, orchestrated to be good looking. <laughs> I, yes, I, I agree with what you just said. Yeah, and Mickey Correct. Rourke. I mean, like Mickey Rourke's always fascinating to look at, mm-hmm. even after like his weird plastic surgery and yeah. Yeah. whatever. Uh, but like, which helped know, for Sin City. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like even even like uh, uh, honestly, like like his scene and The Expendables, like like what's yeah. he doing in that movie? Like 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 that is from a better movie, just somehow stuck in the middle of Expendables. Sure. But uh, uh, no, no, like, uh, but in this, like, like he's just, um, uh, you know, the choice of glasses that he's wearing just, just makes him a lot more interesting looking. Yeah, well, I feel like I feel like in some ways Mickey Rourke is like the old, the older version of a Vincent Gallo. If you know, if he had a little bit more of a career before he had burned out completely, like Mickey Rourke, obviously, is someone that Vincent Gallo looks up to a lot. I mean, we saw that clip in the intro that I found yeah. where he's like, "Sean Penn wishes he was Mickey Rourke," which I love that line. Yeah, yeah. Sean, He's got some yeah. lines like that where you just like well, at least Mickey Rourke fights men, and it, <laughs> and at least uh, you know I would rather be Mickey Rourke than, than Sean Penn walking around a Haitian uh, refugee camp with a gun in his 
you know <laughs> yeah yeah well. Dude, that's a crazy moment in exit like in time but um i don't know like mickey rourke is somebody who i feel like i feel like both uh the politics i guess of both somebody like mickey rourke and uh vincent gallo are kind of reactionary right wing it does show that like you can be you can have artistry while still having yeah, politics a lot of people want yeah. to deny that that's the fact but like in, it's like, obnoxious because it's not true yeah yeah, yeah. and um although I mean, even 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 Vincent Gallo was like, I'm the one reactionary hard right winger that has good, like they can make good movies. It's like, I don't think that's true, but like, well, that's you know. like, come on, dude. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, yeah, that's some goon but, but, discussion. But also, there, their, yeah. also <laughs> their, uh, their, their tendency to both kind of uh, mouth off about people that like ends up hurting, like shooting themselves in the foot, both of them, right? Like they're, they're yeah. famous for that, like, which is what he was talking about when he said the thing in the clip, like even if Mickey Rourke loses his career, the only reason he was going to like lose his career, at least according to Mickey Rourke, is that he fucking hated Nero to the point where he was just couldn't stop shit talking him. But you know, in some ways I get, cause Nero also mouths off, but he just mouths off about the right people that isn't gonna like, you know, like Trump right. or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there, there's certainly something to say for that, and and again, this goes back to the art versus artist thing, right? Like, it, it, if you discuss anything of Vincent Gallo, for some reason, you're forced to contend with literally everything he's ever done or said, or you know, opined about, or put on a website for sale potentially, uh, <laughs> and and. and I don't, I just, I, I can't hang with that. Like, I think this is a fantastic work of art. I unabashedly back it, and. I find that it reveals more and more every time you watch it, uh, but it but it is art, which is to say that to engage with it isn't to have your ideas of how to be a good person validated. You're looking at like damaged people, and I'm going to use the plural uh, there for a reason, dealing with each other and like finding their way through the darkness. And I think it's incredibly effective, and in a way that like honestly more effective than anything else he's ever done peace and love peace and love uh yeah. certainly not that brown bunny movie which is an objective piece of trash sorry uh but I, 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 yeah yeah no <laughs> but but i think that it's 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 very difficult to have that opinion now because people well vincent gallo sucks like yeah but did you watch the movie well, no, yeah. you have some idea of what it is. And that's why I would really like, before we go to Letterbox one-liners, if we could talk about the ending. Cause like where he runs through the bakery and to get the, and he gets like, he finally gets the goddamn hot chocolate, first of all. And then, and he and then the hard cookies. He finds a right. new old guy that he's like, the yeah, yeah, girlfriend, like, don't, don't eat the cookie all the way. Up. And you're like, yeah, yeah there's, something, there's something so, so uh, like crucially autistic about Vincent Gallo, both both his own like interviews that he gives in the movie where he's like, I have these like hyper fixations that I, you know, down in my basement, I have these things yeah. that I get fixated on. Like there's something very, but then also like the way that he talks to people, like it reminds me a little bit of like, uh, you know, like he's I have family that like, has like, like a lot of my family kind of has like Asperger's kind of thing. It reminds me of that where it's like, you can't help, like you have to tell the fat guy like, don't eat the cookie on the way home. <laughs> he has to say it. He can't not say yeah, it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I also kind of get the vibe of like, um, you, you ever go to like a, a convenience store or a package store and there's like some meth heads in front of you in line and, and yeah. like, they're really nice, but, but like, they're obviously like on meth. And yeah. uh, like, he has, he has that energy without the meth. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. right. It's like an affable mania. Right. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm happy that you two are here, but, uh, uh, I'm kind of worried about the fact that I'm here with my child. <laughs> right. Well, I just love that that dude is literally just like, 
just there, just like sitting at a table, like having an evening, and like it is like, what is it? What? Okay, sure, yeah, I, I, yeah, I got a girl. All right, yeah, you're gonna <laughs> give me a cookie? Okay, sure. Why, why not? All right, like, That's but like, very he doesn't. But, what do you call it? Like he doesn't. Um, there's no filter there, and everything he right. thinks. You just clear. You just straight out says it like, and it's pure elation, which leads to the like, don't eat it on the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. it's like the things that you secretly think in your head, and then you but you spits them out and just says them, and you're like, and that's it's so funny. Like there's yeah. so many funny moments in this film that like, I agree. You said, yeah, that shouldn't really be funny, but they're fucking hysterical. Yeah, uh, it works. That kind of it's that like kind of lack heads of buy ice cream. <laughs> that kind of lack of like a, a a filter like lack of that kind of social awareness or whatever like it get, it gets to the point where if you're somebody that the person clearly cares about or like is close to that like you know yeah. has built that like like his relationship with goon where he's like oh well fuck you goon like rocky to, like out. yeah but it's like he's constantly cursing him out and calling him goon and insulting him and there's something about like you having to talk like if it's someone you care about that has that lack of filter like at some point you have to like start trying not to take that stuff personally and be like yeah. this, this person like and, and it's, it's hard but like i i got the, that feeling throughout this whole like you know conversation with goon he's just insulting him and all rocky, stuff. rocky it is like, not his dead name come on stop dead name rocky <laughs> But it's like it's like it's the way that he's picking on him is one of the <laughs> Forrest dead name classic actor Rocky Goon AKA FKA sorry the the artist formerly known as Goon <laughs> right M MC Goon Lil Goon Lil Goonie sorry by, by the way <laughs> another another insane thing I don't know how Lil Goon Little Goonie <laughs> That's I, don't his know, rap I don't name. know how I don't know how Vince Gallo managed to uh Forrest Gump his way through every um movement from the the 70s oh, yeah. the early 2000s. He one of the things he did was breakdancing. He was in a breakdancing collective. <laughs> so there's, there's like the like before he was like a director right when he's just kind of an actor. He was on TV a lot. Like they constantly had him on for all these different things. And one of them is they did like a breakdancing documentary. And you see Vince Gallo be like, "Yeah, me and me and the homies were <laughs> like <laughs> right, yeah, guy, yeah. He's, he's talking about his breakdancing career with like a bunch of like rappers or whatever that are around him. Yeah. He's like, "He would go and we would breakdance." It's like Dude, you've like Forrest Gump your way through Manhattan. So hanging out with Basquiat. I mean, he's all busy. He was Basquiat's uh, roommate. Table. He was Basquiat's roommate, which is why he ended up getting played um, in that movie by like, there's a character in that movie that's a composite of all of like Basquiat. Yeah. He was in a band with Basquiat. They like started yep. a band. I forget what they were um, called, but yeah, yeah. I, so I used to know like, that, but I don't remember the, it anymore. Benicio Del Toro was the. Uh, was, the was like the composite was like the composite of all the Basquiat roommate kind of like collective yeah. people, and one of them was Vince Gallo. And it's like this guy just managed to kind of just wander his way. His paintings are even, good too. Even, like his, even um, the motorbike riding, like I remember when he was a motorbike rider. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Like, I remember that, I, and he did photo shoots as well, like around yeah. that time in fashion. And I think the first time I ever came across him was in fashion. Like when he was mo when he was riding motorbikes in fashion, and he was in so many fashion magazines doing really. He was even Calvin Klein model. shots. Yeah, he did a lot of really cool photo shoots and like ones you know that were like whoa, really rad. And because of his striking appearance, you know, you were just like oh. But like I remember seeing him in that, and that, like the guy is in you know he might be Forrest Gumpin, but he's also like <laughs> Forrest Gumpin. 
<laughs> but he's also like hey, don't mind me, I'm Forrest Company. <laughs> but he's also incredibly talented. He's jumps from all these things that he can do really well. Yeah. It, it's well. like it's like uh, Michael DeBars, like the, the, like uh, like that guy that was he was yeah. like Murdoch in in um uh freaking MacGyver, but he also like like wrote like an all timer like synth pop hit was in like a glam band in the 70s yeah. like 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 he was in wkrp it's like what is this with what is this guy like how is he in all these places yeah, you've same thing. All these that you can do and i think like that's the thing with 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 gallo like even if you dislike his politics and all of that stuff he's really engaging and charismatic and like you just like this guy can just do shit he just looks good he does this stuff like captivating whether he's insane or not insane you know and I think he'd be really fun to hang out with when you were drunk. Like he's got all these incredibly <laughs> cool friends, you know what I mean, as well. Yeah. So he's also, like he might be a dick, obviously, but like I feel like he's probably gonna gang up on at least one person at that party. Oh, one hundred percent. And that's why you, I used to watch his 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 interviews religiously because I'd be like, Who's he got? Like who's on the firing line this time? Right, like who's right. he gonna vote? You know, and then I mean, even with in this film, like with Christina Ricci, like what caused all the trouble on the set was the fact that you know and she's elaborated on this further over the years that what the key to why this was so stressful and why they didn't get along was because he played billy brown throughout the entire shooting of the film right and so he stayed method acting as a director yeah yeah so he was well, he was like another... he was in character 24 7 so he was apparently you know she said he was yelling at her and like you know like all those scenes that we saw where like you, if you do it shit, i'm gonna kill you like he was doing that at her regularly yeah. like all the time like on on set and things and like he was you know he was, one, uh... one day two pimples and he was like oh look at you you've got two pimples and he like he would just call out shit like and like this like all the time and it was like yeah. no filter and i'm just going all the way here he was, he was, um, he was, uh, and then we could go to one-liners, but, uh, he, he was famously really, really close friends with Courtney Cox. I was watching old interviews where Courtney Cox brought her in to Courtney Cox, uh, brought, there, there's a whole really famous, uh, interview that she gives where, um, Vince Gallo, I guess, and her did a movie together, um, like, you know, years before all this, where he went full method. And he was supposed to be like this troubled uh, game show host or something. And he like went method to the point where he wouldn't talk to Courtney Cox, who he had ostensibly been friends with, like very, like extremely close, like best friends with for like, you know, years before that. And she sure. didn't, she wouldn't talk to him anymore for the longest time because he was just such a dick on the set wow. of this thing. And she famously, uh, I was watching this Jay Leno interview where she, that she gave in like 2007 or 2008. Where she brought Vincent uh, Gallo back in from the cold, which has happened to him a lot of like. There's all these things after his whole career fell apart. Like he's been brought back from the cold uh, multiple times. Yeah. Um, as much as much as Ben Shapiro wants to pretend that he's the first person to bring Vincent Gallo back in 15 years or something, but yeah, um, the, the difference between those guys is Vincent Gallo has talent. Yeah, but uh, she so she so she brought um, him in to this show that she was working on because she was obviously like after Friends or whatever. She was like the showrunner on all these different shows that she was in. And so she brought him in to play some role and it was like this famous thing. And so they did a whole press run of like, I brought Vincent Gallo back, my my good friend from the past, right. and we're good again. Like we're 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 close again. It was like this guy's been friends with everyone. He also like I don't know if they dated officially, but he like dated Rosario Dawson, which is kind of crazy. Oh yeah. I remember that like, now. Yeah, he's uh, he's Eskimo brothers, uh, like uh, you know, like I guess with uh, with Cory Booker. Booker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, say, I, I, I noticed this, and yeah, it 
it's funny that like everybody likes obviously his talent and you know and especially this film but I, I find it so funny and polarizing that majority of men dislike him immensely regardless of the politics side of things like people mm. it's like a jealousy weird thing that they people men really don't like him and but women seem to love him and i i kind of feel it's it's a weird weird thing. okay so can i just say it's not for me it's not a jealousy thing oh no, there's no, just but, when, but there there's something there's something squirrely about vincent gallo it's a specific kind of guy. And it so happens with like, oh, well, he's also an incredible talent and can do all these things. And like maybe or maybe is not like, you know, a sweetheart to his friends or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But like there's something that's just like mm, about him that you're just like. Yeah, he's got that undertone of like something like pr- like really prickly and like could right. be a real asshole. If you like if you if you're on the asshole end of it, you're going to cop it. There's a like sense if, of violence, too, but beneath the surface that that, uh, you know, like, like it's unsettling. Yeah. 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 That like outburst. Type. It's, it's just like the tweakers in front of you at the uh, at the packy <laughs> when you're with your kid. Um, I, I wonder I wonder about like the uh, the alienation side of it, though, like somebody like Vincent Gallo who clearly has this giant chip on his shoulder from like the day he, uh, you know, fell out yeah. of his, his, his which game respect game. I was, was going to say the day that he fell out of his brother's room while she was watching fucking football. Like, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know, she was, but that scene could have been in a movie. I believe it. <laughs> but uh, no, like there, there's something uh, very alienating about somebody like that, which like they build an enemies list in their head. Like there's this, paranoid feeling to it and i wonder how that meshes with his political ideology right like this mm. feeling that because he's someone that like embraced it's more it's like, more grievance based than anything else yeah exactly. <laughs> and there, he, really, he was someone who like liked like trump a lot right like he's someone who that yeah. kind of politics but i i feel like that appeals to a certain kind of person who feels so alienated by their surroundings and by this like right. you know uh social and fashion-based milieu i guess around them that they end up retreating back to their like because he lived like on a fucking his own little like compound thing for the longest time and wouldn't come out of his house. Like I wonder about like that psychological just, that just buying up every time. Travis Bean and Valino in existence and like hanging them on his wall and <laughs> making his weird sad indie rock. It's just that's, it's just really true. strange. <laughs> he has one of the biggest collections of aluminum guitars on the planet, and that I am not lying about that. And and it's just but he's so I know somebody who sold one to him and it was he was so persnickety and so just like just exactly like what you would expect it would, the interaction to be yeah. like. Just very, very curt, succinct, like <laughs> on the spectrum ish. You play, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I, I would he wouldn't be interested because he doesn't believe electrical guitar company guitars are canonized. It's either Valinos or Travis Beans, original not Travis Bean designs. This is so insular, I'm astounded at myself for bringing it up but like he has something like 30 of them and to be clear these are each like worth like 10 like five to ten thousand dollars each they're not cheap guitars there you go great great so look at he's that not look playing. at that sketchy look that he has with, with <laughs> like, he looks, it looks like one of those old school um you know the house house robbers you know like right he's like, like, he's like, like, he's like will, this, will this guitar fit under my jacket <laughs> and, and it's it's weird because like it's just not a thing people hoard is the best way that yeah. I can put it. And it's but he's so specific. Like I think he's somebody I know that sold him a Valino. He got mad because he thought that like the the the, the gem that goes. 
yeah, he's, he's, he's very persnickety. That's what it comes down to. He's, he's very specific about like what he does and doesn't want, which it seems to be in everything he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also guitars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, and we haven't even mentioned he makes records too. He has like a record on Warp. He has a couple on Warp, right? Like like yeah. the, the Apex one label, which is crazy. Because it's like, what? This yeah. is sad indie rock. He's, yeah, played well, of, he's played a ton of festivals too where he just it's just him and a piano and it's like a tiny keyboard sorry and it's right he's right in the middle of the stage like nowhere and there's nothing happening it's just him going mm. yeah they, they brought back his band with basquiat like recently i think or a few years ago too but it, like without basquiat obviously even though yeah but like that, that would be hard yeah they got a ouija board <laughs> I mean, they could dick him up he could just be on stage. Well, no, they could do the Tupac thing. They could do a hologram Basquiat. <laughs> wow. Wow. What a time to be alive. No, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – he's an interesting character. I think discussion of Vincent Gallo is disingenuous to Buffalo 66, though. It's impossible yeah. to avoid. But I think that, like, the more you talk about Vincent Gallo, you're like, oh, that guy. Huh. And then it's like, yeah, but this is a remarkable movie. This is This is – no kidding. This this is at least in my top 100 movies of all time, and probably top. 50. I don't know. I find I find the guy I find the guy fascinating, but he's um, he's he, that's the thing. He's so compelling. Yeah. How can you not talk about it? You can't. Like, um, I, I feel like I feel like in some way, I feel like he's who Tommy Wiseau um sees when, like Tommy Wiseau, like Tommy Wiseau's like that's who he sees when he looks in the mirror. He's like, right, right. I am I am I am mysterious mysterious right wing man from. <laughs> from New York City I, Law. This is me. I'm all American man. I am from Buffalo. <laughs> That's Tommy Wiseau could pull it off. That's the accent. They're like, who the fuck do you know from Buffalo? He's like, aha, Buffalo. That's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> this is how yeah. we all. This is how we all talk, Greg. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's Canadian accent, Greg. <laughs> yeah, it's just really weird, indeterminate Eastern European shit. Yeah, uh, so so last thing on that, yeah, is that it's just, I feel like that the movie, it's impossible to talk to without talking about the guy. But I think the movie itself, aside from the guy, is very interesting and cool. And despite it being something, even Christina Ricci who uh, has a lot of thoughts about it, but has also like come back and you know what actually like you know there was unpleasant at the time, but we made something cool like blah 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 et cetera et cetera. Like there's been this kind of this weird like I got I'm going to characterize as the I guess you got to hand it to him <laughs> aspect of things that people come back to like later on almost universally for this movie, and I think that that's notable. Yeah, well, yeah, it, and it, there's it something so like too, kind of like the. It goes through that resurgence constantly. Right, like, sure. Being picked up by new generations and like everyone's obsessed with it. Like there was a designer here in Australia who made t-shirts, dresses, and and like cushions and shit. All this shit was really expensive, and it was all like with images from of Vincent Gallo from this film that they'd licensed nice. from. Him. And like people would go nuts trying to find their sizes and find them in shops and stuff. It was like. It is like this film is is a cultural moment that a lot of people remember. Right. Well, and just the same with like uh, kids or like you know any like there's a there's a nostalgia that comes with like '90s late '90s indie movies 
mid mm. to late nineties indie movies where every time it's it's for a while you don't see a good indie movie and then all of a sudden like the the cultural I guess uh critics and like uh you know magazines and stuff start recycling like uh hey remember when indie movies were good and then right. they bring up like you know those are like on their short list. It was when people were um unafraid unafraid to be controversial or attach you know look at different topics like someone in the comments mentioned Harmony Corinne. Sure. Harmony Corinne Bummo is actually one of my favorite films and it's incredibly controversial. Incredibly Very challenging, not, yeah. <laughs> not not when you see, but I like I really love that film for it being completely raw and showing you fucked up sides of life that you don't normally want to see or do see. You know, and I think that's what old indie films from our generation were like. Right. Look, look at something like Mike Lee or Hal Hartley, you know, where who both are due for resurgence, frankly, where it's like this, you know, Hal Hartley coming from a deeply humanistic place and Mike Lee and his really jacked up English way doing the same thing. But like, it's something that it's come back around, right? That the, 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 those are ripe for rediscovery because there's something just really just a, a incandescence of, of realness to it even when it's like a there, there's an artificiality to it that really only came from that like magic moment of like 90s indie cinema a and it was absorbed into the machine and what came out was a24 which is different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah, but it a did exist definitely the 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 uh you know the, the what ha you know the the, the next uh, it's like pokemon like like it has evolved uh, it's <laughs> Sure. Yeah. From, from like that. that, that Just uh, like it. Yeah. Yeah. But it started off as Weinstein and it evolved in 824. God. Yes. Well, I mean, what a you know, sense. Weinstein is the magic harp of the. Uh, I remember. I was there. I lived through it too. I'd remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, but it's remarkable that, like, I feel, so it's incurred. It's war with Carmody. I feel like Vincent Gallo is at war with everyone, isn't he? I mean, he seems like he's casually at war. But <laughs> also, Harmony Corinne is also known for his bad behavior against other people too. Like, yeah, he's no angel. And I think, and their like their fighting relationship was definitely fueled lots by the media. I know. Like, I remember yeah. there was like wars between interviews where the interviewer would say, "Oh, did you hear that he said this?" Did you hear that he said this? It was yeah. like one of those things. Because it's like that high was high school. Yeah. Well, there were two directors at the time that were very cool in the had their own thing going on. So let's pit them against each other, you know? I mean, Harmony Crane also was in like a really like a long term relationship with Chloe Seventy, who uh, yes. you know, they had the same with the brown bunny <laughs> thing. Like I imagine that fueled I, that fueled the fucking battle that for years. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like he, then he chose his yeah he chose her and she was super keen as a bean to do it at the time, so that wouldn't have wouldn't have worked well. Well, Letterboxd is a place for <laughs> film lovers to uh, talk at with into each other. Social media site for film. Everyone gets to have their say, not just the Siskels and Eberts, who had a notorious war with Vincent Gallo. Yeah, well, he, uh, he, of he, the world, Ebert did bring him. On to, uh, you know, uh, to hash it out, though. I do respect him for that. That's true. Uh, but it allows everyone to have their say and to opine about the films they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, the films they were weirdly or not so weirdly horny for. And everybody gets to uh, chime in, best expressed succinctly, uh, you know, working in your tie five in front of the brick wall, the comedy store style. These are the letterbox one-liners for Buffalo 66. The first 15 minutes made my bladder hurt. Same. 
Yeah, you know, you know, to reenact it, I actually drank an entire thing of tea before I uh, this episode started and didn't go to the bathroom <laughs> just so I could, you know, be uh, be a little bit more like uh, like Billy. See, Conan could have react reacted it better because he's at the hotel right now, and he could have. Like, it would have been like they, they closed the bathroom at the hotel with like, a, yeah. like uh. the bus station. <laughs> but he's gonna take you a know, bath later. So the uh, the right, Buffalo exactly. bus yes. station looks a lot like the one in Albany that they built. Um, like you know, like before they like fucking renovated that too. I have also cried in the bathroom of a low end chain restaurant, but it wasn't near as cinematic as this was. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I like the low end chain restaurant of that because it is kind of a low end chain yeah. restaurant. It's got I mean, lower. Let's- Let's let's also remember like in uh, Denny's. This was uh, 1998 when this movie came out. That is that is uh, three years after they they uh, started serving black people in the in the uh, in the chain because they wouldn't serve black people. Uh, there was a lawsuit in the uh, the mid 90s. Damn, See, Vincent Gallo's tears worked. That that's actually that's kind of funny because uh, when I used to like go to Newburgh and like party with people and like a lot of my friends in Newburgh are black. Like we would we would pile in like. 20 people deep at like 3 a.m. at the fucking Denny's there. And that's like one of the few places that was open. Bowling has never been more miserable and sexy. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I was not expecting that that erotic uh, ball cleaning scene. Yeah, it's it's a banger, as they say. <laughs> you got to show a little you got to show a little skin in the uh, in the bowling game. Oh, man. Would she, would that's, why, that's why he needs a jacket. That's why he's the top. He brings girls in, you know. <laughs> I, I love how he's gas. He gasses himself up while the bowling. Like, yeah, like what's like the kids is back or whatever. And it's like, who are you talking to? Like, who are you, who are you addressing this this to? It's but he is good. One, like, like that's one friend. His one friend yeah. at the uh, yeah. Jan, <laughs> Jan Michael fits it exactly. <laughs> Drink fellow <laughs> like, Yo, Airwolf, check it out. You see that shit? Like, he's completely unloved, but like. All these people are doing shit for him. Like his friend in yes. the fucking bowling alley has paid his locker the entire five years out of his yeah. own fucking money. Uh, yep. Rocky, aka Goon, uh, comes there and does all those favors for him. Like people are doing favors for him. He just—it's like the um, the spam a lot fucking number where it's like uh, I'm all alone and the guy in the fucking uh, <laughs> King Arthur's like, you know, like his like Patsy or whatever that thing behind him is like. But but I'm here. It's like yeah. he has like all of these different. Patsy's around him that are like, you know, he's like, I'm all alone. And they're like, but I'm, I've been helping you out for like five years, man. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. That's no, notable. Very educational in the art of approaching women. Billy Brown would have like a, uh, one of those, um, like a pickup, pickup artist websites now, where he'd be like, I was in prison for five years. I learned a lot about the art of picking up women. <laughs> I'm think I'm thinking of uh, Tom Cruise's character, Magnolia. Yeah. <laughs> First, you got to threaten to bite her cheek off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Outlining the uh, routine. Just if if you kidnap her and you look good enough. <laughs> speaking I mean, speaking of speaking of which, I could fix him. Done successfully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a true success story. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he he certainly fixed somewhat. I, I, I love the idea of kidnapping somebody and then you start getting annoyed by the person you like you're like you're like, Oh, I kidnapped you and then they're like, Well, I don't have anywhere to go from here. I'll just keep and you're like, Oh, I guess you could 
following me. I was going to just, like, you don't have a home to go to? Like, yeah. Right, exactly. Can, yeah, what a turn our, around. Our, our errands are done. Like, <laughs> which I, which I got to say, don't think I've ever seen another film. So, there you yeah. Go. I know he's a bad person, but he looks really cool in this movie. <laughs> that's that's just that's just true. That's that's an objective truth. <laughs> it's just a fact. You can't. Yeah. It's yeah, I, I, I never get my hair to look that greasy and that good. <laughs> a homophobe in red boots has to piss so bad he abducts the ballerina. <laughs> That should be be happening. You don't know what's going to happen when you know you're kind of getting uh, poisoned from the inside. The urine is still inside of you. You feel kind of crazy that way, you know. I mean, depending on what you've been drinking, you know. Word, word. Christina Ricci, Christina Ricci put blue eyeshadow on the map. Ain't that the truth, friend? Ain't that the truth? Yeah, I, I, I felt, I felt things for her in this. This movie that because of because because of her age, I was like, I don't know. I feel I feel just as problematic as the guy that kidnapped her. Right on the the line, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Heartbreaking. The worst person you know just made a great movie. I, I don't I don't want to like I don't want to like um actually this movie too much or like think too much about it but he's been telling his parents that he he's in this relationship for five years. How old would Christina Ricci's character? Yeah, no, yeah, it's twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, right, right. twenty eight. And she's All she's right. very baby faced as an actress, so we can assume that the the actual character is as well. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This guy tried to fuck my friend's mom on an airplane. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but it still got four stars. I mean, I respect it. Yeah, he still gave it four stars. Stars, yeah. Game respect game. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the letterbox one liners. Good respect, good. <laughs> those are those are the letterbox one-liners for buffalo 66 please 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 follow the show at movie night extra we have an hq account you can uh, we post stories of all the episodes that we do you can find all the links for everything and all of the uh all of the other stuff that we, that we cover on this show and that is something that we very much would like to engage with you on uh you can also follow our host there Always Flacco. That's Forrest Miller. I, I I can't see his moniker right now, but I think it's Gallo Humor, right? Gallo yeah. Humor. Um, I thought that was a good one. I, if I had thought of Gooner, it would have been Gooner Spec Goon if I had thought Go- of that. Gooner Spec Goon is pretty <laughs> astounding. Forrest is logging all the stuff that we cover on this show on Letterboxing. Uh, check out his thoughts on all there. I, I, of course, am Kona Neutron at Kona Neutron. I am the heart cookie baker. Goon respect goon is pretty good, I gotta say. But I'm covering all the uh, the highbrow, the midbrow, the uh, populist fair, uh, all the all the different stuff that's in there. New Criterion Challenge starting up in the next two weeks for 2024. So follow me along for that, and we can. Uh, Wait, I want to. I want to shout out. We can. Uh, I was just gonna no, say we're gonna right. span time together. We're just gonna <laughs> we can span time together. Damn it! Can I do a second take on that? This yeah, is, yeah. We're live, are we? <laughs> <laughs> so follow me on there, and we can spend time together. There we go. <laughs> Jay oh, I and to shout out this, wait, I want to shout out this comment. The don't be sure. foolish is a 
is a Michael Brooks reference, and I wanted to say I got that. Right. I got that. That's a yeah. That's good. It's a good one. Uh, J. Andrew World, J. Andrew Stockholm Syndrome World. Pardon me, aka Vincent Gallo, male gigolo. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that is, he does this just to like, just to make me laugh during this bit. I'm firmly convinced of it. And sometimes he's even successful. He's watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe so you can. Not for me to judge. Just calling the balls and strikes. He's doing over there right about now, too. On Letterboxd, follow him. Renee Ruin is definitely spanning time over there. She's spanning time like it ain't nothing. Uh, at Renee Ruin, uh, she is on Letterboxd and not only logging stuff for this show, but from her uh, lovely show as well. Please follow her as well. Stockholm Syndrome, take it away with the plugs, please. All right. If you're watching us on YouTube, please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And, of course, the big ask is to watch the video to the end because that allows uh, other movie fans to find our content. And you get to hear a great Conan Neutron song. So, like like Bad Lefty said, don't be foolish. There's only uh, there's only one more there's only one more episode where you're hearing that great Conan Neutron song because we have oh uh, yeah a new that's one. right we have a new one coming up on Conan's birthday which is the, the fifth but uh, it's still a Conan Neutron song so but it's know. but it's a more it's a more different one it's yeah. a different great it's a bit more different it's more different yeah a, we we out here doing a more different podcast <laughs> it's movie it's night like, Automata. Goon. <laughs> yeah, goon it's respect like, goon. Every episode, there's another ep- a piece of artwork. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, yes. It's not the same. And it's the same thing with the music. I don't know, I don't know where it comes from. Somebody, somebody keeps uh, just, someone will just send me. The oh, it's a more different picture. Wow. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> I saw that every week. This picture is more different. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea that every, I like the idea that every, uh, every week there's just an envelope that arrives and it has show art. And it's like, but it's from like an, anonymous, an anonymous person. It's Andy Rocky sent it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Force has got a dead name again. Um, but if you're watching this over on Twitch, J. Andrew Goon. Uh, yeah, that's, that's good. It's good. Solid. Solid work. <laughs> but if you're watching us over on Twitch, um, please throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, the big ask is uh, you can subscribe for free, and that actually helps us out, and you don't have to pay us, but a penny. Uh, which, uh, if you do that, thank you very much for all that stuff. Um, that doesn't seem like that big of an ask to me. That seems like a really easy ask if you have Amazon It is Prime. a very easy ask, but it means so much to us. We want to thank you specifically yes. for that. Um, uh, and mm, yeah, there we go. Uh, find us on social media. Were um, you gooning there? Is that what's going on? I'm getting weird <laughs> pop-ups as, as well. It's like, I'm too typing. What the hell? Um, Cat like typing detected. Goon like typing detected. There we go. That's better. There we go. <laughs> We're entering the Gooniverse. <laughs> Avengers in Goon? Or to be Goon Game? We're going to workshop this. Yes. Um, yeah. We're going to workshop this material, kid. It's going to be Aces when we get it locked down. Uh, yes. Find us on social media. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter, Blue Sky, and of course Instagram and uh, Goon.com. You, you can find us there. <laughs> exactly, we gooning over there. <laughs> um, but uh, S- straight yeah. gooning, son. Uh, we're, we're on various uh, social medias, but uh, find us where, wherever you know you're you're comfortable. Social media ing, and um, you know, uh, send, send us send us comments, like us, uh, say hi. We'll say hi back. We will. I promise you. Say it back. 
back. <laughs> uh, but we also have a Patreon. And, uh, you know, if you subscribe to our Patreon, that, that also helps out the channel a lot. Um, and uh, you get access to things like our after parties, which it's too late to do an after party this week. But you can find uh, some great after parties uh, there. Um, I know, Renee, you've done a few, right? Mm, have I done one? I don't know if I have yet. An after I need to. Well, actually, yeah, you always kind of end up having to cut out, I think, right as we finish our uh I think I did, I did one or two in the early days, but I haven't done one recently, no. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right, because uh, you can go back there and find some classic Renee uh, after parties that you're not going to find on a regular uh, channel. So so it's like bonus, um, <laughs> bo- bonus Renee that way. Yeah. Um, uh, so please subscribe. I, I love the description. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Good Goon Girl is pretty great. <laughs> but I, I also I love the uh, I love the idea that the description of our after parties is things you're not going to find on another podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I feel like we don't ever do after parties on Fridays. Yeah, so. usually because you guys are quite late and busy, whereas it's like middle of the day sort of for me so yeah well, maybe we'll do a next month for we're ex machina <laughs> we definitely, we definitely gotta do one for ex machina because we're gonna have a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff to reference in that uh in that movie <laughs> elon musk ass character that i don't we're know we're gonna be yeah. <laughs> and we're we, gonna want to do one with you on february whenever we uh cover the uh oscars we're gonna be straight gooning son <laughs> and i i i want to say thank you to all these people watching that are giving me lots of inspiration for sperm donors and also pointing out all the problematic <laughs> men I like. I think I'm going to have to, after this podcast, go away and think about my behavior, <laughs> given that nearly every guy that is listed in the comments is someone I find attractive, even Clint Eastwood included. So I'm really, I've got some things to think about. Just, uh, yeah. just don't get brought back by uh, by Ben Shapiro as like the, the Daily Wire's Renee Rune. <laughs> hey, maybe she finally makes some money. Yeah. <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we at, Andy? Let's get back. I think we're we're up to you. Um, oh, great! Yes, uh, Protonic reversal. That that was a show um, that probably didn't happen yesterday. I was gonna say, why are you speaking in past tense? Yeah, no, uh, it's it's yesterday was Thanksgiving, so I assure you, I did not do a proton commercial on Thanksgiving. Nice, yeah. nice music podcast. Would be shame yeah, if something just... happened to it. Uh, like, I'm sorry, mom, dad, I have to go do a podcast right now. <laughs> be real hard to do with my mom. Uh, Marnie Stern is the most recent episode, and that's a great episode. Matthew Film Guy said as much as did KT. Most all these regulars on this show have said that that's a great episode, so I agree with them. And uh, that is the most recent one. I got Steve Hodges of MSSV with Mike Watt and Mike Baguetta. Uh, he played drums for all, all of the best Tom Waits records, in my opinion. A really interesting guy. That's going to be next week. So which, stay tuned which, for that. The percussion in Tom Waits music has always been like one of my favorite standout things. It's like a, yep. a dying machine uh, sometimes. Yes. And, and it's and he, incredible. So. And he's a big part of it. He also has done a bunch of with David Lynch. He was in a Thought Gang, which is the uh, Fire Walk With Me band. Oh. And uh, has done a bunch of it. It, it, it. He's a really interesting cat. Should be a good one. Special, and is notably of interest to people who listen to this show, too. Okay. I, I am psyched uh, to, to see that. So, Wait, just, just because, uh, because of like who our interview is on Tuesday, I want to say um, 
whoever's watching this like and i'm gonna i'll post about this but we're gonna be interviewing the guy who uh rick ives who directed rick solid ives. rock stuff and it's on it's a movie that's on tubi so like it's, it's good uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, i i watched it on thanksgiving it was really good but just um i'll, I'll post with the your grandma like uh, yeah and my grandma never likes movies and she said that uh the performance <laughs> in this was like pretty crazy but i'll post the the link to it on tubi um onto social medias before we do our interview just so people can watch it and like uh you know yeah know i what mean sherry prime about. already has oh, oh for real that's awesome because i mean i feel like i don't even know how i found out about it but i had someone describe it to me i was like that sounds really good like and then i watched it i was like oh wow that was really good <laughs> <laughs> but like I didn't even that was way before he like contacted the show or anything. I mean not that whatever. His people did us, uh, pardon me. But he also has like worked on a bunch of like uh the Marvel movies and stuff like that. He's an interesting yeah, he, dude. He, so he that was be the good. um assistant editor on Thor Ragnarok. He was the assistant editor on yeah. I think uh Infinity War Endgame, one of those, like one of the like the the big, you know, last phase four Marvel movies or whatever. Yeah, Mandalorian so he, season one. Yeah. So this is his so this is his uh I guess I think it's his debut jumping off of just doing the editing part and, and directing and he wrote it and he directed it. Yeah. it it's cool too because it's like the performance and it's amazing because it's largely like not the entire thing but largely one person in a room and it's incredibly tense for being one person in a room yeah. it's, all, it's all awesome it's, yeah yeah I have so many thoughts about this movie and I can't wait to to, to talk about it on Tuesday. talk about it on Tuesday yes. um, I, I felt yeah. I felt like uh you know like pretty much everything that could be could be done with like the hacker you know heist genre had been done in like the 90s 2000s i was wrong no he found something yeah. else to do yeah yeah uh, uh, but anyways what we really need to talk about is conan's patreon yes a please. dollar a month and by talk we mean sign up for it thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's what we talk about here uh if, if you dollar. want that if you want that interview with, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot the guy's name because we're talking about Rick Ives. Um, uh, Stephen Hodges. Stephen Hodges, yes. Yeah. If you want that interview early, sign up for the Patreon, a uh, dollar a month, and uh, yep. bada bing, you get it. You get it early. Bada bing, you get it early. Put it on a sticker, <laughs> hang it from a banner. <laughs> exactly, yes. And of course, if you enjoyed the music on this show, um, go to, especially since it's today, Bandcamp Friday, there's just a little bit of time left. Go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com and get yourself some Conan Neutron music. You can buy the whole shebang. It uh, doesn't, it doesn't sound very much like the theme song, to be clear. But yes, please buy it anyway. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> it's Black Friday. Dude, I guess if you're going to buy something, buy my shit. Yeah. Yeah. You can buy every <laughs> single track. For like a pretty good price, I, I don't remember what it I don't remember what I don't remember what it is either. But it's it's pretty surprising. Yeah, it's, I, it's, yeah, I'm not you surprised. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> but, but I think <laughs> I think people will be surprised by the value. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's a lot of music for a good price. Is what I'm saying. Right. Um, and uh, you know. Uh, what better way to fight the holiday music than to buy some Coda Neutron songs? And, and if you just want to buy one thing, Adult Prom is the most recent ones. I split with Long. Uh, even if you don't get it for us, uh, Long is an incredible band, and they are I was awesome. just listening to them yesterday. <laughs> yes, they're very good. Very excited to totally not announce tour dates with them <laughs> right now <laughs> for the Midwest that'll be in uh, late spring. So, But I will soon. I will soon. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and you can't, you, that's true. You can't get them, uh, great next music too. You can get them on CDs. You can, we do sell them on CDs and I forget to mention that because 
CDs are just not as sexy, I guess, than vinyl. But like, yeah, you can. I mean, there's just something about vinyl. Like, like when you see David Bowie's low on CD, not impressive, but when you see it in vinyl, <laughs> like, there's just something about that that image. It's pop. so big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what they said about Vincent Gallo too. When uh, you see yeah. it on CD. Yeah, just... that was the reference. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's really small on the pickup, Andy. But, but like, yeah, no, the, the Vincent Gallo record is so big. All right. Yeah, yeah. There you know. go. Anyway, <laughs> in summation, buy my stuff. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Christina's not here, but I did just want to shout out. Uh, she has a Patreon as well. Um, uh, Patreon.com slash Cosmopolitics. Um, and, of course, we got uh, Renee, host of... Um, uh, Come on. <laughs> Right like going through my slides and i did not the write night, it down the night shift and the night shift yes goon girl is it the podcast called goon girl, goon girl. <laughs> uh, we'll be back on the second goon with the wind <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah we'll be back on the second um and i'll be announcing the details for that <laughs> <Keep an eye out. laughs> and then i'll be back on this show um, on the 15th to talk about Ex Machina, which is another film yeah. that I really, really like. So I'm looking forward to that one. But um, none of the leads are problematic, I don't think. No, I love um, I love the actor who plays Oscar that. Isaac? Don Hall Gleason. Oh. <laughs> Goon in 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and then I will be back again in Jan. I'm to talk about one of the old classics, Romancing the Stone. <laughs> right. So it's a movie. So it's movie night, Automata, right, on December and then January. We're bringing back Adventure Month. It's movie night adventure, which means the adventure theme is coming back, which is one of my personal favorites. So It's, it's pretty great. The Wizard Thank of you. Goon. The Wizard and then I'll be back <laughs> right. again for Oscar season. That's yeah. right. As well. So, yeah. And uh, we'll be also coming up in Jan. We'll be doing another a special episode of Night Shift where... Um, Tonight, on a very special episode of Night Shift. <laughs> Toby, Toby Poser, who was recently on the show from Adam's Family Film talking about um, their latest film. Um, she's going to be coming on and interviewing us girls. So it's going to be a bit of a fun, weird new episode just chatting with <laughs> Actually, I thought I heard it was just them doing an intervention on you with your problematic likes. Yeah, my problematic male. Uh, yes, I, I'm going home. I mean, I'm home now, but obviously, I'm going. I'm going to, to yeah think about my uh, taking you to uh, problematic yes. wood rehab. Yeah, going to talk about my choices, guys. And uh, we we are developing a new bad takes. The first one in like a year. Um, but but uh, we're going to be doing. Um, uh, rare exports. So the movie, the movie better be still. Bad. <laughs> Apocalypse Goon is the movie you're doing, is what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rare Exports, the uh, the Christmas film. Night of the go. Living Goon. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, there is actually called a movie called Goon, um, which is actually pretty yeah, good. There is, yeah. I mean, also the goon. It's, it's a hockey I'm film. disappointed though because I honestly was like, I hope this new movie was before they released the poster. I was like, it's a movie just about, <laughs> about Joseph Stalin sperm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not get it on that at the time. Hour and a half about 
Well, it's uh, you know, it, it's it's communist sperm. It's egalitarian. Everyone can have some, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Renee, do you have some final thoughts? We've talked about a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of angles here. More angles yeah. than Vincent Gallo's face, I guess. Yeah. Hey. Um. Oh. Yeah, like. Oh, let me as, tell you. As I mentioned, this this film came up, and it was my suggestion for us to do this one because it is one of my top. 10, definitely, if not top five. I've mm. seen it too many times to to not. Um, and, it, it, you know, I think this film, whilst it's so weird and out, out of, you know, the storyline and stuff, there's something about feeling, feeling relatable in that sense of not being, feeling invisible or alone, not being able to, you know, live up to people's expectations, you know, and, and dealing with difficult situations with your emotions and how you relate to people and that's that's something i can definitely relate to when i was growing up i was definitely had those some of those issues and i can definitely relate with billy's character on some of those and and that feeling of desperately wanted wanting to be accepted um and then you know and then you have that separate aspect of just this this whole film is just this aesthetically pleasing and just the way it's shot is just so great um i can't you know as I said, you know, being someone who's super obsessed with photography and just things, you know, it just, to me, it's just every scene could have been its own photography. You could do an exhibition of stills for this film. It's just so attractive. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and then there, there, there is this, you know, hilarious under comedy that I just really like about this film as well. But then it also has this, you know, this kind of strangely wholesome, in a weird way, um, kind of storyline that underpins, which is the two, you know, two people who are pretty much down, down on their luck, you know, and, and in some bad places and coming together and finding, I guess, safety in each other in, you know, and looking through the darkness into the future. And it's just a bloody good, good film. Amazing. Try to steer away from thinking of this film as Vincent Gallo and just go in thinking of this as a as as a piece of art, which it is, um, and appreciate it that way. Um, I think that's the best way to look at this film. Dog Day After Goon. That was my. <laughs> you were waiting the entire time, weren't you? Like, yep. The old man and the goon. Top goon. <laughs> 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 that is Tom Top Cruise. Goon Maverick. <laughs> that is Tom Cruise. Like Goon of the Ring. Title though, Top Goon. Uh, Goon Will Hunting for the comments. <laughs> <laughs> the Goons of Navarone. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm stopping. I'm stopping right now. David Lynch's Goon. The man with the golden goon. <laughs> top goon. Top goon's it, man. I can't do yeah, better than top goon. goon. That's <laughs> we've we've reached the nadir of the bit. Andy, do you have some final thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, well said, Renee. By the way, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I actually kind of forgot how good and relatable this movie is. And that, that's the other thing, too, that, that you know, I, I think we, we need to, to to remind people. It is very relatable, especially if you've ever been to the Rust Belt. Um, uh, you know, like like I, I went to college in that that area, like like the edge of the, the, the Rust Belt. And the, there is this 
uh, kind of alienation malaise of just people just like, you know, Billy uh, running around. And, um, uh, you know, every single time I watch it, I, I get like different flashbacks. Uh, sometimes he reminds me of the most popular guy in middle school, the uh, guy with the mullet and the uh, T-bird. Uh, the mustache because he was like 20 and, and still in middle school for some reason. Um, hey, yeah, I'm just, old enough to be a teacher, but I'm a middle school. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, but, but like they're those, that's the kind of person that it is like, like it is the, 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 um, the meth head in front of you uh, getting ice cream, but there's also like, you know, something so human about him, something so relatable. And if you've ever been in, in that kind of um, uh, area of like the Rust Belt, um, you will you will you can you can connect to this film and uh, like you wouldn't believe. And it just um, it's definitely like I have not watched this since uh, probably since it came out uh, because of Vincent Gallo. Um, and I'm kind of glad I rewatched it because I, I really, you know, I really appreciated it. Uh, I'd forgotten about uh, everything, and it is a gorgeous, gorgeous film. So, so definitely, uh, definitely check it out if you haven't. It's. A, I was going to quickly say, like it, it shows that that vulnerability and that you know humans are inherently flawed, and you know, sort of seeing how that that evolves. The naked goon from the files of Police Squad. <laughs> Naked, naked goon, thirty-three and a half. The final song. <laughs> naked goon, the smell of fear. <laughs> Conan, indeed, indeed. I'm still. I mean, it's top goon, right? It's got to be top goon. That that that's. It's not. It doesn't. I. I I'm just. I'm hanging you, up my you, spurs. Yeah, you knocked out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, this is an unconventional, absolute masterclass of mood, dream logic, and vibe. And at first glance, it centers one of the most unlikable protagonists in modern film history. But then you get the context and eventually a road to redemption through a woman that he kidnaps. So that shouldn't work, but it does. And it is both eloquent and beautiful and thought-provoking. And it's also self-indulgent and ridiculously heartfelt and unique. It also has uh, Heart of the Sunrise and Moonchild music placements in here are some of the best I can think of in recent decades. Uh, the usage of reversal film, as well as extra attention to lighting and blocking, gives it a very unique out-of-time feel. We mentioned uh, looking like a painting oftentimes for stills. It's very crudely sophisticated, and it's also an inadvertent deconstruction of toxic masculinity. And whether that's intentional or not, it really works. And I think it's almost a side effect of the story being told. Uh, mm. I've always I've always dug this. I think it's a very unique and strange film, but I think I appreciate it even more now. And uh, just as a shout out, uh, worth a mention that Christina Ricci is just an all-timer, incandescent, stunningly beautiful in this. And that's worth noting as well. Also, he, he gooned the distance. I was going to say, the goon, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> goon, goon, goon. Goon times at Richmond. 13 gooning on 30. <laughs> uh, Christina Ricci of this. I mean. It's, a, it's sober, Johnny. Problematic, problematic wood. Two two separate problematic woods for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what, else, uh, what, else, what else do you need? 